Space Serpent 18, and today we have a very special episode for you. It's our Valentine's Day episode, and we're going to talk a lot about love and special moments and couples and couples in love and some couples that really aren't in love, but they are there anyway. <laughs> so. <laughs> Starting right now. We all know And. Joining us today, um, if they can stop laughing long enough to introduce themselves. Um, no. Today we've got Snarky Hag and RB returning with us. So say hi, guys. Hi. All right. So here's what we're going to kind of do. Um, it's going to be a kind of a two-part podcast. And the first part, we're going to kind of look at the couples of Glee and talk a little bit about ones we liked and ones we didn't like and... Kind of all that kind of fun stuff. And then in the second half, we are going to count down the top 30 most memorable Clane romantic moments. So, hold on, guys. This will this is gonna be fun. I, I love that there's 30. Because I, I couldn't cut it down. There's even honorable mentions. Because I couldn't. Why would you cut it down? We should talk about all of them. Because I'm sorry, I have feels about all of them. We have fun. And I'm certain that our listeners do, too. So... We are going to start here. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about probably the worst couples on Glee. And just as a disclaimer, we are kind of poking fun at this. We are not being totally serious. If this is one of your favorite couples ever, we don't mean any harm, I guess. Um, it's just all in fun. And you are more than welcome to disagree and put it on the blog, and that is fine. Comment and tell us why we're wrong. Exactly. So... Um, so the first one on this list, um, we're going to start with Wemma, <laughs> Will and Emma. And yeah, um, you know, bless their hearts. I mean, I'm, I'm going to say that it started out great. Season one, I was pulling for it. I agree. I really it liked was, them in season one. It was wonderful when they... Then the end, the I always forget if it's the first third. Yeah, the first part, the first like the mid season ending sectional the episode they, thirteen. Yeah, like yeah, that was a fantastic moment. 
that was built mostly on the back of that people cared about Weba, and you, you genuinely cared about them. You wanted it to work. You saw these two people that were struggling in the lives that they had, and they were moving towards possibly having a life, a shared life together that was going to be better, and it was all really great. I think they were part of they were the, searching for something, and they found it with each other. And yes. with in those thirteen episodes, it was adorable. And she had her pamphlets, and he was trying to reconcile himself to the life that he was leading. And I dug it in yeah. the first thirteen. And, and I don't think they sabotaged the relationship in the way it played out, but they made Will someone that Emma could not possibly. Like, right, like... Well, they, I mean, they, Will they made Will someone who you couldn't such, root for. Such a subpar character that you wondered, why does she want to be with him? Especially when her other option was John Stamos. Oh, dear God, yes. I mean, she had Uncle Jesse. <laughs> well, and I think on top of that, um, just that with Wemma, they kind of kept doing the same kind of thing where... You know, Will would be like, okay, we're going to be happily ever after. And then something, like, distracts him or, show, you know, like, her parents or her OCD or whatever. And he freaks out about it. And then she has to, like, correct him. And it's the same cyclical thing that it, it's just, and it's hard to watch. And, and it's kind of, after a while, you know, if he's doubting the relationship every five seconds. Why are they together? So Well, and it was also one of those, when you put it up against high schoolers you kind of wanted to look at him and go you were a grown-ass adult you should know better by this point you should know better than the 15 year like i get it when you know the high schoolers have their boyfriend girlfriend of the week and they kind of cycle through it i get it that's high school and i kind of love that but you're a grown-ass adult you need to get your stuff together yeah and they just as the seasons moved on they did a really poor job of showing Will as a reasonable partner for her. Yeah. They never showed him coming back and supporting her the way the teenagers who had a bumpy ride would come back together and be like, I love you because of this. I want to support you because of this. Oops, I made a mistake because of this. Right. You know, they were all learning that lesson. And it was so frustrating to watch adults have a what I consider to be a truly dysfunctional relationship at the end. Yeah. I was rooting for Uncle Jesse. Plus I gotta say I, that. I love Emma and there's there's they could have done so Will could have been flawed in other ways, but not flawed with Emma, but they made choices to make him that way. And it was just unpleasant. You well know? they couldn't they couldn't figure out what to do with Will once the focus shifted completely onto the students. Um, I think that it was better in the first 13 because he was considered more of a major player and they were writing it for that sort of audience. Um, and then once he was they, the male lead of the show, he, he was. Um, yeah. And once you shifted away from that, I think that as it happens quite often with uh, characters who they lose interest in, they kind of go very, very quickly downhill and they forget um, how to even have them as a bit player and not be completely insane and not in a good way. I see that point, but they never did damage to Emma in that way. 
But I think that they forgot about Emma. I think that they, they did. didn't do damage to her, but I think that it was neglect. And I that's yeah. just as that's just as dangerous for a character because there are times where I forgot that she was still on the show. <laughs> okay, as we so <laughs> so the rest of these aren't really in any order, um, and some of them are kind of jokey. So. <laughs> um, Next worst uh, is uh, Artie and pretty much anyone he was in a relationship with. <laughs> Sorry, Artie. Oh, okay. You Artie. sucked as a boyfriend. <laughs> I enjoy him Artie. as a singular character, but him with somebody, it just was never great. Well, especially because it, it was always with a girl and he's fairly misogynistic, which was really yeah. challenging to ever be even mildly okay with yeah. when you're looking at it from the outside lens and being like, you know, everybody knows this is what's going on and they're portraying right. something realistic. I did actually think that there were some parts of his relationship with Brittany that were really sweet with the two of them. Um, sure. They played off each other really well. Um, and I like the way she treated him. Uh, he had some issues with her. But yeah, Brittany is the most palatable one, which is sad because I think everybody's supposed to care about Artie and Tina and I... I will say that the one scene Tina and Artie got at the end of the wedding episode was very good. Um, however, season one was not. And I know they both grew quite a lot since then. And I know it was Jenna and Kevin's choice to stick them together at the end of it because Ryan Murphy asked them. But I, I just, I guess just because I don't feel Artie is a character and because he has all of those drawbacks on top of that, it just all of his relationships are kind of, ugh. So. Honestly, I think that the the low points of what I think people call tardy is what made Tyke work. Because it made it seem like, oh, well, she's really making some smart choices here. Good choice. Yeah. Upgrade. <laughs> Number three, we have Krosky and pretty much anyone. Which, it's just bad choices. Uh, well, and we won't talk about it, but <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sure you guys will get our grift. <laughs> um, I thoroughly enjoy he and Santana at prom. I like the way that they were trying to beard each other and I thought that was sweet. Um, sometimes I wish that Glue would have gone the direction and hooked up him and Sebastian because that would have been fascinating. That would have been interesting. Yeah. but See, if I, just, if I never have to see Karofsky on my screen again, I'd be okay with that. I'm just, you know... Not the my jam. Of time, he's just he's a, he's an, he's supposed to be unlovable, so you don't like him with anyone. And, and you know, elephant in the room, obviously, with some people more than others. Right. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Though anyone. it works <laughs> in some ways. <clears throat> but yeah. Um, number four on our list is uh, Beast and Tutor. <laughs> Sorry, his name. Uh, you know. I, I liked it at first, in some ways, uh, but of course, when you take a relationship that's pretty destructive, it's hard to find anything good about the relationship. I don't like the way they played Beast in most relationships. Um, I just think that they never had a good way of explaining that character beyond something sort of like pitiful and needy, which I just never... I never saw. I couldn't identify with that, with that right. character. I'm also a little sad that Cooter started out being, you can tell that they originally wrote him as a decent guy. And then they're like, hey, we should do the storyline where, you know, it's spousal abuse. And I, hmm, okay. Which is, I couldn't have Will. 
which is, is married. it's it's not the only time that they have started a character one way and then decided that they were going to um, shift a character into fit a to fit a storyline that they wanted to do. That's a perfect segue um, to our next couple. And sometimes things shift. <laughs> you know, sometimes relationships start out great and end out abusive. <clears throat> Wemma. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's a nice segue into Brody and Rachel. <laughs> was Brody the stripper? No, he was, um, he wasn't a stripper. He's he was an escort. He was an escort. Oh. They... I'll- Obviously, this is coming from uh, episodes that I did not watch on the regular. So they did such a fantastic job of using him as the gross boyfriend your college roommate has. Yeah, fully effective. I believe it. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, was he the one who was sitting naked on Kurt's Kurt's couch? Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, His okay. vintage chair, or whatever it was. Right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, we've all had a roommate's significant other who has done something like that or at least i, I mean, have it, it was downhill from the beginning because rachel meets him when he's naked because glee <laughs> likes to introduce characters in the shower are you serious oh yeah oh, the fuck he's in the out of showers okay <laughs> Yeah. Was, um, he just, was he singing a mournful ballad and then somebody poked their head he was around singing and was something. i don't remember up. what though I oh, can't God. remember what it was. I just remember that he was naked and he was talking to Rachel. And the end of the conversation was like, by the way, I'm straight. Dun, dun, dun. No one cares. <laughs> Everybody likes Rachel more than this. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. Like, um, you couldn't. I'm sorry. But, like, even if you don't like Finn, you like Corey more than this. Like, it was just, like, not... It was so not plausible, and they were so gross together. It, it worked, if that was the intent. I don't know if it was the intent. Um, so number the six uh, is um, Joe and Quinn, and I'm, I have this on the list because <laughs> nothing's <laughs> happened. Like, there, Joe got it, a voter while helping Quinn out, and then that was the end of it. He asked, he asked Sam about it. Inappropriate then... physical therapy yeah. boner. Teen Jesus. Oh! Okay. Oh, oh. Yeah. Just because. He was Christian. She was Christian. They needed something for people to do. Uh, I don't know why people, everybody thinks that Quinn has chemistry with everyone. She doesn't. Uh, It was very boring. I don't know when it stopped. (laughs) It stopped at prom because I just, I just did prom. It stopped at prom because you had to go back to prom with Finn because, you know, and then, then after that, they didn't even acknowledge it. So. Was he another okay. one of the Glee Project characters? Yes. Yes. Uh, <laughs> Pretty much you can put on this list Glee, <laughs> all the Glee Project characters except for Unique, who uh, didn't even get anything. Number seven, which is intentionally bad, this is intentionally bad on Glee's part, was Will and Terry. Okay, unpopular opinion, I love Terry and Will. Because, <laughs> because they were so bad. <laughs> Yes, because it was a clusterfuck of wonderful proportions. I love Terry as a character. I think that she is hilarious. Oh, that's good. I can't tolerate her very long. <laughs> <laughs> I think that she is absolutely hilarious, and she fits with the the general feeling of the first season, which is my favorite season. So that makes I love sense. Terry. Um, I'm going to skip eight because that was. It. I have something more to say. I'll get back to that in a second because we do need to. Number nine is um, Shelby and Puck. 
I also really enjoy Shelby and Puck. Why? Because it's wrong, and I love it. It's and so it bad. Is weird and it's bad, and it's entertaining, and I just, I really enjoy it. I, it is not healthy in the least. It is absolutely something that I would, I would, I would put up as a as a sign of please don't ever do this, my my darling student workers. But I, I. I love it as a TV thing. I I have no shame. I totally appreciate how well they used Hot for Teacher. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that is the only reason you can justify that storyline. And they have justified storylines for much less. So, I mean... That song is, like, really gross. It's perfectly gross. I feel gross about it. But it was an excellent usage. All the other times when Puck is with, like older ladies because he's cleaning their pool and they use that for comedy it was funny when yeah. puck is trying to <laughs> going after blaine's mom at the wedding funny not funny because i, I, I think would, he's supposed to be I with would quinn also but love to see puck and blaine's mom together because yes. i would love the implication of blaine and yeah. cooper having to call him dad oh well, no <laughs> i object i object <laughs> Again, he would have been out of high school, so more palatable, obviously. But the storyline that that would have given is totally different, and it would have been hilarious. I always wanted Puck to end up being the the kept boy of some rich older lady. That's always what I had hoped for uh, for the character, but alas, it was not to be. Um, going back to number eight, uh, I want to say something. I want to preface this. It's Finn and Quinn. And the thing that, I mean, they were bad for each other, but I think in a very interesting and very real high schoolish way. And I think it was actually, there are parts of like late season two where their, their relationship is really interesting in that, you know, they are a doomed couple kind of way. So. I love it because it was a, it was a pairing that was never going to work, you know? And I kind of love watching that knowing that there's no way that this it's, it's only going to go on a downward projectile. And I thought it was really interesting to watch. Yeah. And they really have no chemistry. Well, that's not true. They have chemistry when she's mad and he's being extra stupid. They have comedic chemistry in that way, but otherwise mm -hmm. they don't have that connection, which works really well for the, you know, I also really, really enjoyed the uh, being someone who was from a small town. I really connected with her speech about why they should work and he'll get a job and she'll go into real estate. And this is what it should be. They should yeah. work. This is what it should. This is what should happen. And I was like, I, I totally see why you would think that. And I love I love that that was expressed. Right. And I think that yeah. was the thing. And it's actually going to lead into my number 10 comments on um, number 10 spot um is that i i think what glee did well with this is kind of show there are a lot of people who are Finn and quinn and they do end up married and they do end up having these they end up will and terry later on i mean it's intentionally paralleled yeah, yeah. and it, it is something that i think we don't i don't know i feel like on tv shows you get the you know your one true love or you get the one off one a week guest star love interest and you don't get these kind of explorations of you know these are, it's kind of more of a realistic thing where like there are people like this out in the world and they don't work, but they try to make it work because they think that's what their lot is in life. And I think that's kind of an interesting thing to do. And if Finn and Quinn didn't have 
chemistry, but they had shared goals, a marriage could work in a way. Mm -hmm. And their relationship initially, especially in season one, was all about shared goals. Yep. Um, So kind of jumping off that is my number 10 spot is Love Squares because... God help us. The love squares were the worst. We, I mean, we start off with Will, Terry, Ken, and Emma, and then we have Finn, Rachel, Puck, and Quinn, and then later we're going to have the Jarly, Kitty, Ryder crap. It just... Oh, you know, it's the same way that people talk about, say, Southern weather. If you don't like a pairing, wait 10 minutes, it'll change. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, I mean, from a shipping point of view, it really gave... Almost everybody canonical evidence of their ship because most of them got a taste because yeah. most of them dated most of them. But at the same time, those were the, when I look back on the show and I'm like, what are my least favorite plot lines? It always comes back to those love square plot lines. Well, because they never changed it. Say- they used the same one and it got repetitive. My least favorite love triangle is anyone that involves Sam. Ooh, because oh, unless it's Mercedes and there was very little Shane, Sam, Mercedes. So I don't even count that as a love triangle. Unless it's Mercedes, there's just there's nothing. I did enjoy. <laughs> no reason. I did enjoy Brittany and Sam, like in their Ugh. in their slightly clueless. The world is ending. The hell is going on type of way. See, and that kind of jumps. That kind of jumps into the the next section that we have, which are couples that we don't hate or, but we don't like, this is not, they're not on our top 10 list. So, um, and it's Sam with any like Quinn or Santana or Brittany. I I just don't have a feeling one way or the other. I don't hate them. I don't love them. They were there to me. Yeah. Um, next on that list is Jake and Marley. Um, I, I wish they hadn't been pushed on our throats so early on in season four. I think I might have grown to enjoy them a little bit better. But when, you know, Ryan Murphy's like, you're going to love this couple coming up. And it's like, oh, God, we just got done with the Finchel stuff. Like, Do you really need to shove another couple in our face right now? And there was I, nothing I to love is. about the couple, sadly. Uh, but it I do... I like Jake and Marley more than I like Jake and Jake and Ryder. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Take two. Um, Wait, did Jake and Ryder ever get together? No, sadly. Well, there's that one. That's really disappointing. <laughs> I don't know who they are, but I like the sound of that. I meant Marley and Ryder, which was yeah, just as boring, but that's just me. Um, and then there's Puck and all of his ladies with the Rachel and. I, I did not dislike Puck and Rachel. I found them entertaining together. You know what I just found out? There are Puck and Quinn fans out there. So shout out to you guys for getting your happy ending. I don't particularly care, but I'm glad you guys are happy and have something to hold on to. Puck and Quinn had some good points in season one. Yes. That are very sweet. Yeah. Yeah. And that's that's my statement. Yep. Um, then we have I don't I don't even know if you know these people, Arby. Uh, Spencer and Alistair. I have no idea who that is. I could not have cared less. Who are they? In season six, uh, Spencer's one of the newbie the new newbies, and Alistair is this red haired kind of. He's not even a character. He's just the he was just a guy that this other guy 
dated. Okay, yeah, I have was, no idea. It, it, I, I, the one thing I give it credit for, I'm like, here they did a gay romance where they just went in and they did it. There's no preface and there's no build-up. It's just, you know, a thing. And they did it because it was normalized on the show at this point, which I think is kind of cool. But as characters, yeah, yeah you didn't, I don't know. I didn't care all Well, there was no romance. No. There was just, like, some dating. Yeah. I don't know. Okay, and it's then, hard to care about a couple of cute characters that you don't care about. Yeah, <laughs> or that you maybe kind of even disliked a little bit. So, um, then there's all of the other minor minor pairings that I, you know, are mostly like the one-offs that I didn't feel like listing. So there are other minor character couplings on there, but we're not going to talk about them. So. <laughs> <laughs> There are a couple <laughs> that only get. What about the twins? What twins? <laughs> <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> We're gonna get into the fanfic portion of this. No, so um, well, there I that it was a thing, but um, actually, I think um, Mason and Jane they were kind of sweet. That's on my best season... list. But... Oh, it is. Yeah. Oh, okay. Didn't you go I don't know who that is either. <laughs> Hold on, look at there. <laughs> I am, I am right. at this point. With, with season, I'm assuming they're season six? Yes. Mm-hmm. But we'll okay. talk about them in I'm, a second. Okay, we'll get there. Okay. Um, I'm going to save that talking point for later. Okay, so. <laughs> we're going to talk about Just, the, you know, have some more of your Zima. <laughs> I'm almost out. I don't know what I'm going to do with it now. I don't have any more. Who has what? <laughs> Me. <laughs> I can go see if there's wine in there. <laughs> yes, um, wine would be a great option. All Everybody right. who thinks that there should that Space Horse should get more wine at this point <laughs> should leave the emoji of the wine glass at the bottom of this post. <laughs> Thanks, guys. <laughs> I wonder if anybody will take you up on that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so because it's Valentine's Day, even though it's mid-January at the moment, um, it'll be Valentine's Day when the listeners are listening to this. Um, we are going to talk about what we consider, or I consider, you can totally disagree with me, are the top ten best couples on Glee. I'm curious as to who might be number one. You won't ever guess it. <laughs> You know, they're number one. I wasn't going to even have them on the list, but um, <laughs> I didn't. I couldn't think of another one, so <laughs> I'm dead serious. I mean, serious. maybe we maybe we should add them. I mean, it's it's kind of okay. Number one. No, I really. I was like, well, I won't find Fine. <laughs> I'm going to lose this argument. Okay. <laughs> number ten, which may be a controversial choice, um, is Artie and Kitty. I, I actually kind of liked them together. I thought she was good at putting him in his place. Um, and he kind of cleaned up a little bit, but sadly he was still kind of an ass and it ended badly. But for that little bit, I, I liked it. I think it was a plausible teenage relationship that I don't care about. <laughs> I never, I never saw anything with them, so I have no opinion. Number nine is Mason and Jane, who are adorable and you need to watch season <laughs> I was season putting six. on the wrong list. <laughs> They were adorable. I liked them. They were. Because I like both of the characters. You, that's the thing, though. You like both of the characters. And, and they were both real characters that had been fleshed out by the time that they started to wiggle with that idea. 
So, um, number eight, Puck and Lauren. Yay! Oh, yes. I have an opinion on this one. What's your opinion? I love Puck. And, I love Puck and Lauren. Lauren is fantastic, and I love that Puck was like, "Yeah, whatever. I'm just going to go along with this. Whatever you like, yeah. babe." She she made him the most interesting that I think he had been. Yeah, there were some some funny things about him and Santana, but she brought out the best in him in terms of a watchable character. I agree, and I do love I love the character of Lauren in general. I love that she wasn't like. Wow, he's a beefcake. I need to hit that. She was most, most of the time, she was like, eh, whatever. She was unapologetic in everything that she did. And I loved that as we don't we don't get that in female characters enough. So I really enjoyed having her as a character. I wish we could have had more of her. Um, number I really should switch six and seven, but um number seven is Jesse and Rachel. I okay, love Jesse I, St. James. I would put them higher up. See, and I was thinking I was, about I that. I just such a fantastic pairing for each other. They're going to get themselves into a little bit of trouble because they're both insane. But, but that's part are, of what makes it wonderful. Personally, I would have them much higher on this list, but I feel like lots of other yeah, people like the rest of these I people. I just, I think they're fantastically I, com- I complimentary. I think it was fantastic that he was the person that she ended up marriage, mar- marriaging. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love it when it was good people such get a married. Good fit. So they married so hard. Well, um, and I loved I loved him as a character, and I loved yeah. her character with his because they yeah. are both so competitive. They are both slightly insane, and they make for really good TV when they're in plots together. And yes. they they love the things that are lovable about the other person. Yes. And each time each time he showed back up, I was interested. There wasn't mm-hmm. a time when he showed up and I was like, oh, not this guy again. Every time. And and when he showed up in season six, it was this renewed, like, you get that this is this is where we're going. I didn't even. Yeah. I, we didn't see her break up with Sam. I didn't care about it. None of that. None of that need to be written in the show. He showed up. Bam. Married. I'm in. <laughs> I think that they complement each other in ways that really work for each of the characters. Yeah. And that One was of- fascinating to watch. Yeah. Sadly, I think their best number in season one that, um, oh, is it called Hello 15? I can't remember. It was Hello a 12, 13, 14, 15, lots yeah. of numbers. If you haven't seen it, it's great. And it I've explains the, hmm. oh, it, it explains the deleted relationship scene. so well through this musical number. It's so fantastic. And it's just the appreciation that the two of them have for this very specific talent that especially with Rachel, people don't really love her for in quite the same way. Like he gets her in a really strong way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think season one, I think it was a mistake to cut it. Okay. So number six, I, I, I want to state my really controversial position about number six. Number six is Finchel. And here's my thing. Oh, that's low on the list. Okay. Um, <laughs> here's my thing about Finchel. I'm expecting it. Uh, I, I, you know what? Anybody can come and write me, and if, as long as you're not winky and would like to have an actual conversation about it, please feel free to. But my thoughts on Finchel, they have a lot of great moments, and there are a lot of. I, I don't ever doubt that they were really in love with each other, but to me, it works as a story of this high school couple who really meant each something in high school and really helped each other through that time period, but at the end of the day, it doesn't work out, and you go your separate ways. 
Yeah. That is what Finchel is to me. That's why, you know, it's like, had Finn lived, it would have been, to me, interesting to see if... I mean, obviously we're going to get back together and have a happily ever after ending, so I'm not going to dispute that. But I think there's an interesting story there to see these two who are very... I do think they were connected in high school, and they helped each other through a lot of things, but at the end of the day, they were going on two different paths, and... You know, sometimes you fall in love with somebody and it's intense and you love them and then you go your own way. So that's how I, I mean, a lot of people think I I can, I can see your argument with that. I would have put it higher just because of the importance to the story that, that their story had on the show. But I mean, I, I, I can see your points. Well, I didn't say you'd agree with me, so it's okay. <laughs> Nobody has to agree with me. I should preface these are I mean, my I, opinions. I wish that they would have done something better with Finn in season four to make it more obvious that he was growing to a place where them being together in the end would have made more sense. Because we saw a lot of what Rachel was going through and how she was processing things. I mean, that was the whole point of Brody and some other stuff at Niata. Um And we didn't get that same kind of thing. Like, you know, we see other couples break up in season four and then each of them goes through things. And then when they get back together, because that's how it works, all the breakup couples get back together. There's a there's a point to it. And I feel like they struggled with Finn or maybe Corey wasn't totally available. I don't know what, but they just they just they didn't really they weren't making Finchel for as irritating as Finchel was in season three, that he weren't making Finchel work in season four. So do we think it's a consequence of them spreading themselves too thin story-wise? Because possibly, I mean, because once like, you get the 4,700 characters and storylines that they had, once they put somebody, put some of them off to New York and some of them were in college and some of them were still in high school and we got new characters and they really spread themselves thin. I think they had no idea with what to do with Finn. I think that there was probably also a time period where maybe there was things happening with Corey clearly that were complicating things. Um, and I think that the way that they built Finchel, it really could have gone either way. It could have gone exactly what we got, which is great in high school for lots of reasons. Um, you know, a very passionate couple by each other. But as they get older, things change. You know, it could have had they had they told a different story in season four as far as they could have. I maybe wouldn't have felt like Rachel being with Jesse is the most appropriate choice. See, and I think that's what season five was supposed to be. I think that they were setting stuff up that Finn was getting back on his feet in season four with all of the teaching stuff. And then in season five, he was supposed to have a love interest, which a lot of people speculated was yeah. Nurse Penny. And then yeah. I think that season six was their final like resolution because they said, I just watched a Ryan Murphy interview on this actually, that the potential was not going to get back together until the very last scene. So yeah. I think that season Which, five would have been that where that turnaround would have been. However, the thing that I hate about that is that the last scene was supposed to be Rachel returning to Lima to say that she's home, which she would have been maybe 23 or 24 at that time. And that's a bullshit story for her. That is one hundred percent bullshit. Like seriously, not, that was supposed to what was going to happen? Yeah, that's that, makes, he, that makes me angry on her behalf. Exactly. Yeah, so. he could have. You know, you can teach in lots of places, <laughs> and he yes. could have gone to her. He could have. 
we'll see. I don't know. I think I think that there's there are some. I will say this. When they did, crap, I can't remember if it's sectionals or regional. Anyway, season one, right before she sings "Don't Rain on My Parade," and Finn tells her that he's in love with her. That is a fantastic moment. The romance oh, is, is crazy. It is a beautiful, beautiful moment. And they, they had the ability to do all these things. But for whatever reason, there was a lot of facial drama that I think took away from some of the other things that showed them really strong as a couple. And every once in a while, you'd see them really strong as a couple. Entertaining, hilarious, even complicated. And and so when they had that ability and we got a lot of what just felt like a churning through the day-to-day, something needed to be edited, I think it took away from them. Um, I, You know what I think, though? I think there's the curse of the Glee A romantic plots. Um, <laughs> no, really. When, when Mo, when Mo was no, you're, plot you're A, wrong. Finchel was actually very interesting. That's season one. Finchel, I think, had a lot of really endearing and lovable moments. And then when Finchel, or when Wemma stopped being a thing, Finchel got bumped up in there. And they got all the drama. And then, you know, Clayne was fine. And then you just move through the cycle. But then Clayne gets all the drama and Britannia is fine. I mean, it just, yeah, so. True. And I don't mind drama. I just want it to be interesting. Yes. Or make sense. Because, honestly, there needs to be drama to keep my interest in a TV show. But it needs to be thought out and purposeful and interesting and going somewhere all right we're moving down the rest of this list um uh, season five the number five spot is tyke oh i would have put that much lower (laughs) i didn't really or i spent like five seconds on this list so (laughs) i mean they are idealized so i don't think they actually did anything like i don't i they're cute but they're like the f plot right i mean it's not it's I Not think they anything. worked for what they were, and it was endearing, and then that was kind of it. And I, and you know, you do get that great moment in the first time when Tina talks about her and Mike having sex. Yeah. And you get them um, performing sing, and you get all kinds of like just sort of wonderful other moments, probably because they weren't really majorly focused. Um, but they did seem like a good fit for one another. You know what I find really funny? That. Let's say we're sitting here and like all of this is real, real time, whatever. Tina and Mike would have been the ones that I actually would have thought would have made it out of high school and like stayed married forever and had like 10 kids. Yeah, it seemed weird when. um, Well, and they were the only ones that didn't force them back together. But I like that they were like, well, you know, maybe we could. I don't know. I like you. Let's just, you know, let's be smart about it. Which was like, oh, hey. I, I don't know. I, I still find it weird it. whenever anybody who was dating in high school actually gets married and stays married. But but that's just me. Anyway. Okay, so number four is Britanna. That's a tough one. That is a tough one. I want to like them. I know. I that's like kind of how I feel. It. I feel that they had a little bit of... They had some great funny initially. Um, they lacked chemistry until the very end. Um, and I don't understand why it seemed to not really grab hold because I would love, I would like to like them more. 
I want I want to like them more, but as I have said in many, many other podcasts that have Britney moments, I have a lot of problems with the infantilization of Britney. Um, I don't I, I I want to say that it was a romance for the ages, but I the way that Glee wrote her and presented her makes it really hard for me to feel like Santana was not taking advantage of her. Yeah. Just, just because of the way that she's written in a childlike fashion and having, even though they said that she was brilliant, a childlike intellect, I, it, there, there are a lot of things about it that just kind of squick me and it's, it's my issues, but you know, go with God, Satan. I mean, Santana. I I think that they, you know, I I want to blame the problem on a bunch of straight guys trying to write lesbians. That probably is a big part of it. Like, yeah, it seems like these people who were in the writers' room for whatever reason, even though I think that well, anyway, it doesn't matter. It seems like for whatever reason, the writers never really found a way to make them realistic characters enough. And I think that Glee fell back on two really attractive people kissing yes. and thinking that that's chemistry, mm-hmm. which is probably why I, I will don't s- think Quinn has chem. Everybody thinks Quinn has great chemistry with everyone. It's like, no, she's just pretty. I will say that I have, I have enjoyed Britanna more in fanfic than I did on the actual show. And maybe that's because it's being written by not the writers of the show. I would love to read something that would flesh it out because honestly, it just seemed like it was just very, um, very visual. Well, and I feel like to me, Britannia was not something that the writers really intended to do much with. And the fans really latched onto Britannia. And I understand like, you know, I, that there was, I do think, yeah, you probably, you know, you're doing all of this gay rights stuff of lesbian or a female, female character on there is a good thing to have. But I think, as you guys have said, they, they just didn't really know what to do with it. Or maybe it just wasn't there where they could, any of the writers could come from. And, and that way it did fall kind of back on this, you know, here are two pretty people. And I hate to blame it on the actresses, but maybe they just didn't do a very good job either. Yeah. So I don't know, but the Which, but they sure sorry, were pretty together. <laughs> but but they sure were pretty together. So I mean they were I can't I can't pretty. I can't fault them on that because they sure were pretty together. Yeah. I'm going to bring up the, the talking point that I, I was I skipped over earlier. Um I kind of liked Santana and Danny together. I, I thought that was an interesting way to go and I knew it wasn't gonna be like I knew Britannia was gonna have to get end up together, but I don't know, for some reason, that particular relationship had more interest. It just felt more interesting to me. I enjoyed Santana and Danny. I thought that I kind of wish that we had been able to have Danny for longer. um, Because I thought that Danny was an interesting character. And I thought that she pulled Santana in interest. And I will preface this with I'm not a big Santana fan. Um, but I thought that she pulled Santana in really interesting directions and I enjoyed the scenes of them together. Right. And I, you know, I really wish, um, I don't know if any Britannia fans actually listen to this. I'm sure the plainness of it all probably turns them off, but, um, 
like, if there are any I'm, fans out there that are really big Britannia fans and really would like to talk about their ship, I really invite them on, and, like, I would love to have a conversation. And that same goes for Finchel or anybody else, really. I'm like, you know, please come on and talk about it so that we can get another point of view or why these relationships mean something to you, so... I did enjoy Santana and Danny, but if if Santana is gonna break up with Brittany because she had a power exchange, and Santana is going to be totally comfortable with having a lot of sex with dudes, not totally comfortable, and clearly that's part of her process of figuring herself out. I really wanted season four Santana to just go through a litany of women. Yeah, It seemed reasonable that she would do that. I wanted to see her have the ups and downs of dating yeah, and like really struggle with it and then be like, you know what? This dating thing is not that great because I'm in love with Brittany. I wanted that. That would have been really like, interesting to watch. It would have made and I mean, they could have imagined Glee would have gotten just the pretty ratings alone. I mean, God, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and I don't, I don't mean oh, to can you imagine? It. Can you imagine not, the well, I'm going to fetishize a, tricky, a little bit. Can you imagine the parade of gorgeous actresses that they would have had? Yeah, and it's a tricky line because it would have been it would have very easily become this like creepy fetish thing. But I just think Santana needed she wanted to date more women, and I wanted to see her have you know what she had with Danny, fine, and then maybe just two or three others. You know, even if we just see her, you know, being dropped off by someone or talk about or just you know, you don't have to. Show us, you can talk about an off-screen character plenty and they can flesh out what that, what that means. If it's the boyfriend of the week or the girlfriend of the week. You can, you can do all sorts of person. things. You can do all sorts yeah. of things with the person walking out of said person's bedroom. Thanks, I'll give yeah. you a call. I'm not going to call her. <laughs> uh, number three, like this, there's no scientific, I just put a bunch of people on a it's list. Fine. It's, it's fine, fine. Okay. the ranking. Oh, it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> number three is Sam Sadie's. Sam Sadie's! I mean, Amber Riley. Doesn't love Amber Riley. I love them. And I'm telling you, Sam had no chemistry with anyone else. Just none. None. But man with Mercedes. Oh, my God. He won't stop till it's trending. Won't. And you know what? (laughs) He seems perfectly happy to be the guy on the sidelines holding up the applause sign for his lady love. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of, I love that they that they did that power dynamic because very rarely do we get a masculine figure who is not at all threatened by the success of his partner, especially his female partner. And so, I mean, he was, he's like, yeah, Mercedes is going to be a star. Yeah. I am totally down for this. Yes. I totally want to help you get there. And he doesn't feel threatened by it. And those of us as audience members don't feel like they're in some weird competition or that he's jealous of that or that there's some sort of sinister motivation, which I hate the fact that that is so prevalent in heterosexual showings of powerful women on TV. Well, it happens with Will's relationship. It happens with Finn's relationship. You know, it's interesting because um, Sam Sadie's is sort of like a what if parallel to Finchel, but like, what if, but with all these awesome things, yeah. <laughs> you know? Yes. Um, and it makes them so good. And maybe it's because they're the, they're the B plot. I mean, but you know, Mercedes doesn't fuck around. The only other guy she, she does that we know about is Shane. And like, she yeah. doesn't fuck around with people who don't 
treat her right. And I love that. She is not here for your insecure bullshit. I mean, she is too busy being the badass motherfucker that she is. And I love, And in, in, in every way that Sam Sadie's comes together and works together, you see that they like each other as people, that they're friends, you know, that they're sort of an unlikely pairing in some ways, but really work in others. And they just, they genuinely like like sort of like love each other and that's what i think works and i feel so, like their scenes in new york were yeah fantastic i feel like they, they really fantastic. exemplify one of my so one of my all-time favorite tv couples uh that i think that tv just does a wonderful job of showing them is um leslie and ben off of mm-hmm. Parks and recreation and they yeah. and one of the things that they say to each other is i love you and i like you and i feel like sam sadie's is the best glee embodiment of the phrase i love you and i like you yeah they really seem like they enjoy together their, they're friends and they're funny and you can see them just enjoying you know the day-to-day stuff and i i could very easily see them at 60 years old giggling over an inside joke and everybody around them at their you know fly in space movie theater just thinks that it's it's amusing yeah and it does you know it does work really well when you have Kurt Sadie's as friends and Blam as friends and then them as like a set of couples hanging out together yeah it's fantastic it's just in such an enjoyable set of people. I, I live a Sam Sadie's appreciation life. The thing that I love about Mercedes and her love plots is that it isn't compromising her at any point. She has struggles. She has struggles with virginity. She has struggles with, you know, liking two guys at the same time. But she is never defined by who she's dating. She's got so many other things that she is... She just... She's just a, a she's a girl that knows what she wants, and you know her. And she being, goes for it. She goes for it, and being with Sam is great, and not being with Sam is okay, and she's just not going to let it define her. And I love that is shown on television that you have a girl here who is not, you know, dependent on her relationships, that is not defined by her yeah. relationships, but she's still able to. And then on top of that, here is this large black woman who gets to have a relationship. So. All the more power to her. hottest dude. And he finds her sexy. Yes. Exactly. And he's, and, he's, and he's vocal about it. It's not, you know, something that they hide. It's, you know, I, I find you attractive. I'm going to tell you that I find you attractive. And we're going to put you in glitter costumes that are definitely attractive. See, and I I'm going to throw this out there. Oliver. I know we all talk about season five, but, I, you know, I've been doing all the season three meta and... The thing that sticks out to me as I'm watching through season three, Sam comes back from being, you know, a male stripper or whatever, and he the first thing he does is not go and get Quinn back. He goes and tries to get Mercedes back. Yeah. And that Mercedes is just, a prize. Yeah. So. So, yeah. Mercedes well, yeah, is a prize. Okay. Amber Riley is a prize. Exactly. Just- this is a Mercedes appreciation podcast. So. It is. All right. So, number two on our list is um, everybody's favorite parents Kurt. Aww, Bert and Carol <laughs> Bert and Carol I love them I love Aww. them I love who does, the late who in doesn't life love Bert and Carol I love the late in life soulmates 
I love the care that they have for each other as they go through these insane struggles and the things that they that they appreciate by each other. And I love that they the way they look at each other and they they just seem like you just want to be at their house. You just want to hang out with them. Going off of that, I, one of the things that I actually love most about Burton Carroll is that it kind of trashes the idea of soulmates. Yes. Because they were they were very happy in their marriages beforehand. It was never, you know, something that, you know, Bert was unhappy with Kurt's mom and now he's finally found true love. I really think that Burton Carroll presents the idea that there's no such thing as one soulmate. You can You can be happy with many people um and just because your your spouse has died doesn't mean that you won't find happiness again exactly and i like that initially when they first get together is you have these two people that are shown as like you know small town america not that Uh interesting not that great and they fucking love it about the other one yeah you know he loves her acid wash which is bad and terrible but makes me love it too you know right and I mean, he's got, is, he's got the vest thing going on. He's probably got dirty nails. And I mean, they're both, yeah. they're small town Ohio folk. They love each other. They love each other's kids. Yeah. It's never like, I can't believe that I have to parent your child. No. It's, you know, they, they totally embody the, the found family aspect of it. It's like, you know, we're going to, we're going to Brady bunch our families together and it's going to be great. I mean, Glee could have been a show set in the Hudmull family home, and then the it rest really, of it been auxiliary. It really could have. I would have been like, <laughs> I would have watched that. But that's why I, I think, like, a lot of people overlook it, but they, I want to go out on a limb and say they probably were the healthiest relationship on the show. They were yeah. 100% the healthiest relationship on the show. But, you know, it, and it also presented that they were adults who knew what they had in life who knew what they wanted in life, who knew what they needed in a partner, found yeah. it, and then held on to it. I think that's yeah. a, a great, another thing. I mean, they were very much in love, but they also found a partner, somebody that they could, you know, they kind of tag-teamed a lot of things. I mean, it, one of the really interesting things that show up in the first season and second season more so is that you have these two people who... Are they complement each other very well too, and it it's just uh, it's so amazing. It's just such a great. It makes me happy because there's a good portion of the pilot dedicated to the fact that Carol just never found a good man, and it, I'm yeah. so happy that it's Bert Hummel. You know, oh, yeah, yeah. All right, so that leaves the number one spot. Um, but we don't need to I'm talk about them. Sue and herself. Uh huh. Yeah. I mean, I am 100% here for Sue and herself. Hey, that's my craggy list. <laughs> Number one, bitches. Yeah. Um, well, the Clean Fest will uh, will uh, commence in about 10 minutes or so. There's uh, another thing I want to talk about before we get into Clean. Um, my personal top cracky relationships. Okay, here we go. Or top, not top 10, top six. Because I can only think of six. Um, Kurt and Brittany, I love them as this really thing that experimental thing that didn't work. No. Yeah. They were, what they do boys' so lips weird. taste like? My armpits. Uh-huh. <laughs> 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 and, okay, uh, Santana and Quinn for that really, you know, one moment hookup. Seriously, they had a lot of chemistry. Time. 
A lot of chemistry, a lot more than Brittany I mean, had previous I, two. Mind you, the setting was very chemistretic. <laughs> I mean, based on that one scene, I ship it. So, um, my number three, because I don't understand it, but I'm so fascinated that it's a huge thing um, for Barry. You don't understand it. It's enemies become lovers. That is. That is what it is. It is the Draco Harry of the of the Glee fandom. Oh, that makes a lot of sense. There are so many longing looks. I mean, the thing is that, like, you know, when the lesbians we got were Santana and Brittany, at first it was like, oh, wait a minute, that's not the lesbians we've been watching See, and this I, entire time. I'm so fascinated that the writers <laughs> kept throwing things in there to the Fabiary shippers, too. I'm so entertained yeah. by it. I don't get it, but okay, awesome. I mean, I I totally see where people get that. I mean, they they are the they are the Draco Harry of. Well, the, now uh, that you said that, that makes sense to me. Yeah, clears up some things. All right. Often meet in the bathroom, enemies. Number four is Finn and coffee because he has a great relationship <laughs> with coffee in season four. <laughs> that was his. That's his best of season four. Seriously. <laughs> um. Sue and herself was my number five. Sue and herself. Is it wrong that I love the uh, wedding dress slash tracksuit? That's the only thing about storyline that I like. It is is ridiculous, and I love that that's a thing that exists. Oh, God. (laughs) Um, And then uh, Quinn and Independence, her going off and, and, like, I mean... Yes. yes. In my in my Wonderland of Fantasy, she becomes some high-powered HBIC lawyer and gets her own spinoff where she just mets out justice in ridiculously tall heels. Oh, that oh. reminds me. I have a bonus one. Blaine and Cronuts. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Aww. I love Blaine. I really do love Blaine. <laughs> okay. Well, on that note. Um, uh, so, all right, so we're kind of now to the main part of the episode, and now that we've spent 40 minutes talking about other couples, let's talk about Clean, because this is a Clean podcast. You know, I don't have much to say about it. I I really don't have many opinions, so we might as well just cut off the podcast. Well, let me, let me ask you guys this. What is it about Clean that draws you to them, that you like as a couple, that reason why you're sitting here talking to me on a podcast about this couple? I really identified with Kurt when the, when the show first started um, as somebody who had a best friend in high school who was stupidly talented and who quite often got um, the, the solos and the recognition. I mean, not undeservedly, but I, I, I was talented too. And so I really, I really connected with, with Kurt and when he's talking about you know I just I want somebody to love and I want somebody to love me and then his dad is talking about you know you're just gonna have to wait until there's somebody as brave as you and then this gorgeous blazered prep school fantasy boy pops out going I'm going to sing a love song to you with this whole slew of hot boys two-stepping behind me how am I not supposed to fall in love with that there's no way. Of course I'm going to fall in love with that. Who doesn't want a beblazered prep school gorgeous motherfucker singing at you? 
So, uh, you know, I, I, I kind of, uh, I have a slight bit of feelings. A little bit. That. A little bit. Just, just a smidge. I mean, I agree. Mine absolutely grows out of an appreciation and just a total love for the character of Kurt. And, you know, I think that the story that we got throughout their relationship allowed each of them to be real characters and they had a really special connection. Um, I do think that it was played by two actors who were very good at their craft. Um, because I thought you were going to say very good know, looking, that too. Well, put that aside. If you can. They were good at many things. They were pretty when they yes. out. No, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> it's the wine talking. I haven't even had one yet. <laughs> the one wine. <laughs> I should go get the wine. One, one spritzer. Yes, you should out. go get the wine. Go get your limoncello. <laughs> we'll keep talking. I will go get And one. then we get to see, like, we get to see this whole fleshing out of these people. And because they have this connection that feels so timeless, that yeah. it applies to so many things. I mean, that's part of the fandom reaction and why you can put them in a thousand AUs. And it well, works it's, and it it's works an and old it works. School, it's an old school romance. You know, it's a, cla- it's, it's a classic romance. It's Audrey Hepburn and Spencer Tracy. It's, you know... Yeah. But it's also Kelly new. And it, yeah. You know, it's also new and complicated and different. And I adore both of the characters equally. I think, I think that's fair to say equally. Yeah. Um, you know, one of them has more fleshing out than the other. And and part of that is just being on the show longer, you know. Yeah. Well, um, you know, one, one and, is brought on as an accessory. Yes. Um, None. And, and, one and of, a fantastic accessory at that. Yeah. But, you know, I'm just saying, you know, that. Yeah. I mean, that I, we got to be, you know, uh, we got to see these totally, you know, for as much as they were reincarnations of some classic feelings that you have, these were totally new kinds of characters as well. It's something that I really enjoy. As somebody who watches a lot of t- I watch a lot of TV. Um, I really, I'm just going to be very open with that. As um, I really enjoy finding new stories. You know, it's very, there are a lot of stories that are told over and over again with characters who look very similar to each other and who have similar backstories and you can really kind of interchange them one with the other. I really enjoy finding new stories um, and I think that's that's one of the things that's so important when we talk about um, diverse books, diverse um, TV shows, diverse characters, being able to tell familiar stories with new characters. And I think Acclaim was one of those familiar stories with new characters. Um, yeah. So it was very, it was really interesting to watch the 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 old school romance put into a high school setting but gay. And so it, it was, it was something new and it was something interesting that I hadn't seen on TV a lot. And so it was something that really kept my interest. Yeah. Yeah, And kind of, I I mean, not that I really have much more to add than what you guys have already said, but kind of jumping off of that, you have these two characters whom you're right. One is fleshed out more than the other, but they're two wonderful characters who are fascinating. And to watch them, kind of go through these stages of 
you know, first this fairy tale, then this kind of real life drama, and this whole big arc of how they kind of go from kids to being adults and being in love and navigating that is just fascinating. And I, I kind of, I just, it, they're also really romantic in a way. A lot of, you know, <laughs> the Glee tries with some and it just doesn't work, or some couples just don't really have the romance element to it, which is kind of, I, Sometimes Britannia is lacking the romance stuff, which isn't really what the characters want or need or anything. So, uh, I, I, yeah, you know, as a difference, but, um, yeah. All right. So now, um, we are going to count down, um, a list that I put together and I actually did take some time and actually put this together in an order, um, of the top 30, most romantic claim moments. And because so the I couldn't... plan is for us to not gush about this for six solid hours, right? Because... Okay. okay. On track. Right. I we are cool about focused. 26 versus 27. We are focused on this. I actually have... Um, oh, well, I should preface. I have a couple of honorable mentions because I couldn't fit everything in one in one thing. And I also do I <laughs> one per episode. It wasn't enough. Yeah, it wasn't, really right. wasn't enough. Um, but... Um, it's one per episode. We can kind of gush about the episode when, you know, we get to the oh, okay. specific thing. But Sorry. so, so organized. I try so organized. to be. <laughs> okay. So for honorable mentions, which are kind of just in chronological order, um, I wrote the look during without you during the yes, no montage, which Rachel sings to Finn. And I, the reason I put this, I, it kind of it embodies of all of the quote unquote looks that Kurt and Blake give to each other throughout the years. Um, I think that was the most obvious when it was the drought of season three and they weren't getting anything and everybody was like, oh my God, they looked at each other. Um, <laughs> we did go through a lot of that. Mm -hmm. Look, they were sitting close to each other. That, exactly. No. Um, and then I have the, what's the wrong answer? It's, um, the Promisaurus where Blaine takes out his hair gel and Kurt says, uh, he's really insecure about it, but Kurt says it's, it's nice finally, finally getting to see the real you. And it's really kind of an understated little moment um, that it's really sweet. And I don't know. I really liked it. I wanted to mention it. I think it's a great moment. And I think it has a great tie in to Blaine's body and security in season five where Kurt had no idea it was even happening because He's got on the love goggles. Like, he just doesn't... He, he does doesn't have on solid little, love goggles. He doesn't see these little imperfections that Blaine obsesses about. And so it's kind of wonderful. Um, and then in props is um, Puck and Finnis claim. <laughs> and love this! As ridiculously... That, ep that episode is so stupidly cracky, and I love it. Mm. I just think it's funny because... Here they are. They're able. They are cuddled up to with each other during that entire song, and got way more physical than Kurt and Blaine ever really got to in season three. <laughs> so it's kind of a you know the writers are joking with us, but um, they're so cute. Well, they're so adorable. Yeah. Yeah. I I thought um, Finn as Kurt was especially amazing. Yeah. Uh, my next honorable mention is. Um, in Wonderful, where Blaine asks Kurt to stay, and it kind of is teases if he's going to actually propose in that moment. But he's so insecure again, just kind of like really kind of afraid to ask and go forward with it. And Kurt and, tells him he's cute. Yeah. 
And he's so adorable. And Kurt's just like, what are you doing? You know I'm going to say yes to whatever it is that comes out of your mouth. So Yeah. Dun, 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 idiot. He, he loves anything that involves his mouth. And that is sure. why we have you on. <laughs> I mean, does yeah. I mean, yeah. I would. I'm, <laughs> I would not say no. But different... Dif- di- different you were about to say different strokes for different folks, weren't you? A little bit. A little bit. <laughs> Um, then we have uh, Tina's fantasy makeout in um, New Directions, where she walks in and okay, I mean, Tina's having hilarious. fantasies about the making out on the bed. I think that's fantastic. Just like all of us. But I thought that's probably part of her. Like, I'm sure she's done this like a hundred times, walked in on the making out. So that's why it's in her brain. Yeah, there's some meta to that one, but okay, we're gonna just go with it. <laughs> Now I kind of want to know where you're going with that. They're adorable in their pastels and they're shrieking. (laughs) I'm sorry. I kind of really want to describe somebody in real life as adorable in their pastels and they're shrieking. (laughs) I don't know when I'm going to have the opportunity to use that in real life, but I'm totally saving that. It's yours. Um, And then um, in Old Dog's New Tricks... um, it's it's just a, a tiny thing, but just when they're teasing each other and Kurt's like, my old ladies are better than your old ladies, and I don't know. It's just a really sweet kind of coupley moment that I like. So that is a good one. Is that the it only one, one from that episode? Yeah. Oh, because I also really like when Blaine's placing the leaves on his outfit and they're having that <gasps> conversation. Yeah, yes. that's, that's the scene. That's the same scene. I'm just saying, like, the whole... Yeah, the whole scene. Oh, I'm sorry, yeah. yeah. I'm just saying, like, the the care with which, like, when you see... When you get to see one of them supporting the other, you know? The care with which they do that, I just... I like it. Well, it's such a couple-y moment, too. I mean, it wasn't, like, teenager-ish. It felt like old married couple. (gasps) Just intimate. Like, I'm gonna go sit in the seat. Okay, I love you. I'll kiss you on the cheek and leave. And it just was very... You know, married moment. It was. Oh, my babies. All right. So, getting down to the actual list. (laughs) The glist. The glist. The glist. I don't know. These honorable (laughs) mentions were pretty solid. So, I mean. Well, we only have a top 155 more to go. This is true. Everybody buckle in. We're in hour four of 12. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So, episode. God. Number 30. Um, is in Dreams Come True. They're they're the final scene together where they're at the locker and um, Blaine is uh, thinking it's adorable that Kurt has made a time capsule of all of his memories. And, yeah, it's just sweet and cute and Blaine's like, you're the only one I know who'd do this. And, I don't know. And Kurt's preening, yeah. I'm going to point out that in that final locker of Kurt's, the Blaine photo that was in his locker, that's not in there. He keeps that. That's he. That goes with him where he goes. That does not go in the time capsule. Well, of course not. I'm... He's got that stash in his shoebox. This is adorable hearing about it. <laughs> um, number 29 uh, is Winter Wonderland, which I think is cute. Aww. I think it could have been better. but It could have I... been... It could have been better, but my God, they were on skates. 
But I do, I do love a Christmas time duet. So they can do anything. Um, number twenty-eight is Love Shack, which is kind of more playful I, fun. But the pulling on the tie. Oh and, yeah, I love. And he's wearing the eye number. patch. Yep. Yeah. Everything about the way that they are playful with each other in that number is so. It's such fantastic chemistry. Again, I mean, it's just it's fun. They're so relaxed there. They're so comfortable with each other. It's just, you know, I know we don't get a lot of that, especially in season three. And it's so it was nice. It's got to some. See. It's got some quality Kurt Shimmy in it. Oh my god! <laughs> Good lord, does it have it? Uh, number twenty-seven <laughs> is you always zig when I think you're going to zag. Oh, Agent F. That's such a good line. The the whole the the fact that Kurt is such a supportive boyfriend and the flowers and mm-hmm. just you know and the way they use the stairs there as yeah Blaine, Kurt purposefully propping Blaine up and making him feel like bridging the gap of this complicated thing where they could have finchled about it but they didn't. Uh, I just really liked it. Such a good scene. And then we got the emotional shoulder pat because, you know. Oh, because they're outside. Yes. Yeah. Yes. See, that's why it's lower on this. There's reasons I, I tiered it intentionally. <laughs> tiered it by smut. <laughs> by int- like, do, I, I, do I need to sing the bang song again? <laughs> oh, I hope you weren't. I was so Don't glad worry. you weren't mad when I put that in a little. Are you kidding? That was hilarious. <laughs> I'm like, this is a perfect sound bite. <laughs> I think you need to do it again for... Well, I'll, you can save it for when we get I'll to that. I'll save it. I'll okay. save it. <laughs> okay. Number 26 is um, from Thanksgiving. And I'm sure Thanksgiving, everybody can guess what this is going to be. Um, it is the phone call between the two of them. And the reason I put it here is it's not necessarily romantic, but I think it is a moment of real connection, a moment of, uh, you know, real vulnerability between the two of them. And the fact that they both are able to say, I love each other, you know, I love you amidst this breakup. It, I, it's just fantastic. It was one of the best clean moments we've ever got. Yeah, it's super intimate. And it is about their friendship. It's about their connection. And um, the way that they played it, each of them sort of, you know, maybe being in a different headspace, but feeling similarly overall about about wanting that connection again, that it was just really poignant number 25 um oh this is gonna sound kind of weird probably um because it's again not exactly romantic uh but it is loser like me and kurt coming back to get blame and it's when he gets to the you know the bar and it's awkward and it doesn't work and krosky shows up and like what the heck why are you even counting this as a romantic moment but the fact that you know, maybe it's just from writing that fic or what, but the fact that Kurt is finally like, you know what? He figured out what he wants and what he wants is Blaine and he goes and he tries to get it. And he's awkward and it doesn't work. But the fact that he put himself out there and kind of finally figured out a lot of his shit, I, I love that moment. So It's a romantic gesture moment for sure. Backfires and then it's pain. Oh, pain. <laughs> I don't know this moment, so I have no comments on it. Oh my gosh. <laughs> it's fantastic because Kurt is so awkward. He's an awkward little duck and he, he comes back and he's like, 
you know, I, I know you may hate me right now, but I'm going to be here and I'm going to get your forgiveness and then I'm going to get your love back and or get your heart back and we're going to be fine kind of thing. Aww. It's it's dramatic and painful and funny and then Kurt goes to cry and you just want to die and it's Aww. just, it's great. <laughs> great television. Um, it's great. It's an emotional roller coaster. I like an emotional roller coaster. Yeah. Well, I wouldn't consider those top romantic moments. Drama, sure. Not romantic. Which was interesting, putting this list together. It's kind of like, okay, what is considered a good romantic moment? So that's what I yeah. hope the rest of this list makes sense. Um, all right, so number 24 from the back season five, the season five's The Backup Plan. It's another little coupling moment um, when Kurt is is dressing Blaine, helping him get ready for the June Dalloway benefit. And he tells him that he looks like Montgomery Cliff before the accident. Before the accident. <laughs> I, that moment is so gorgeous. That's a great moment. It is, again, it's intimate. It's mature. It speaks to their connection. It speaks to their shared interest and a little bit of humor. Um, it's gorgeously lit. I mean, it's like they such do, eye candy. They do really good with quiet moments. Yeah. You know, for a show that is so over the top and bombastic and loud, Clayne has some really good quiet moments. And this is and this is one of them, and it's one of the ones that I really enjoy. Yep, and it kind of goes along with the the old dog's new tricks one. But a lot of the end of the season five stuff, we get this kind of just little coupley. You know, they they aren't really acting like high school students. I mean, in some ways they are, but um, they they are acting a little more mature and a little bit more grown up, and get this sense of this is what it's going to be like thirty years down the road when they have. Yeah all this time behind yeah, them. This is their life yeah. together. Yeah. And so, all right. Number 23, back it up quite a bit in the series. Um, when the, all the, when Harry met Sally moments of oh, silly love songs. Yes. I love silly love songs. I love the, when Harry met Sally moments, it's just adorable. And I love, I love that stage in their relationship where they, you know, Blaine is super clueless about the fact that, Kurt loves him, and I I find it very enjoyable. I love it. Also, Kurt is very pretty in that moment. He is very pretty. Like, mega gorgeous. What the fuck, Blaine? Yes! <laughs> in both of those I scenes. Mean, There's two of the uh, ones that are coming to mind, the, the beginning and the end, and sometimes I just go back just to watch the pretty. It's just such a gorgeously <laughs> ripped, ripped, gorgeously and Lane is, Lane is just standing there with his big ass smile on his face, completely clueless as to everything going around him. And he is just the world's most adorable puppy. It's funny because I'm like concerned about the fetishizing of Britannia, but here I am like, well, he's real pretty. Yeah. It's a it's line, I guess. comes from a place of love. Also cute. But also, like, the, the, when Blaine orders for Kurt, he's like, you know my coffee order? And he's like, yeah. Of course I do. And oh. it's so, like, yeah. And then at the end, though, too, when Blaine is like, I don't know what, I don't know much about romance, but, oh, my gosh. And then the, the legitimate, you know, um, we're just like when Harry met Sally and Blaine's like, don't they get together at the end? They do, and I get to be Meg Ryan. 
They do. Uh, and you know that, Blaine. You know it. You've seen course. that movie, goddammit. I mean, he's he's pretending like he's just sort of slightly remembering it off the cuff. It's like yeah, you have worn you have flirting. worn out that DVD. No, no, you have worn out that VHS. Ugh. <laughs> uh, my darlings. Um, number twenty-two, we have uh Purple Piano Project and the Lima Bean Flirting, where the first scene, mm. they're in together. And they are just playing off each other and a uh, little bit of snarkiness going on, a little bit of competition, and there's a lot of just sparks we flying everywhere that. in that scene. I know what it does to you when I win. And that, that line <laughs> follows straight through. That I'm is, that is such season. a wonderful line. Yeah. Wonderful line. Yeah. Ugh. So amazing. And I so good. There also in that episode is Blaine transferring. I, I don't necessarily even though that the hug that they share and Blaine looks so pretty in that moment, um I chose the Lima Bean one over that just because the the transfer stuff itself, you're just like, oh Blaine. Ugh. I was I have a lot of opinions about the transfer. I liked it. I didn't. I don't see how his parents approved it, but okay. I I do not like it. Oh, and people have heard me rant about it ever since it happened, but I accept it as something that happened. All right, number 21. Um, the new Rachel and Blaine singing It's Time. Love it. Love it. Love his version of that song. Love it. Did I mention that I love it? I like the little bit that we have at the end. Um, I like I like the worry between the two of them and the the talk at the beginning, where it's like the music starts and Blaine makes a cute little face and Kurt's like seriously and he's like you know I'm doing it and then he just go you know full on courtyard performance because nothing less will do for a Tuesday afternoon. Well, Blaine know? doesn't do small gestures, and I kind no. of love that every. Every gesture he makes is obscenely large. Like mm-hmm. he doesn't know how to buy one rose. He knows how to <laughs> buy an entire room full of roses. He doesn't know they, how to sing along to a song with the radio. He knows how to stage an entire choreographed performance. Yeah. And then he has, you know, Kurt as the recipient really loving it. Yeah. I and mean, he just Kurt loves it. Kurt loves a big gesture. He really enjoys being the center of attention. He loves having something massive just for him. And Mm -hmm. Blaine loves to create something very large for him. Blaine Um, is the 500 doves that has been fed glitter. Yes, he is. He would, you know what? If Kurt had suggested that to him, Blaine would have been like, well, I already have them on order. I mean, of course we were going to have this. None of this questioning, like, why would we do that? No, no. Blaine is Blaine is down for it and has already planned for that contingency. Mm-hmm. I The other thing that really gets me is that there is this kind of undertone of things are changing. And Kurt's kind of, I don't know if wistful is the right word for it, but just that worry is underneath this kind of playful gesture and yeah, the ending where, I mean, we don't get much of a claim goodbye in that scene. They even cut out the couple of lines that were at the end of that scene um, where Kurt says, you're my biggest star or my greatest star or something like that. And But still, it, their connection is still there and it's still such a sweet 
and sweet moment. Yeah. Number 20 is, um, and if RB, if you've not seen this, I really recommend you go do this. Um, it is jagged little tapestry tapestry. And it is the clean music video. (laughs) Um, They had a music video? They did. Um, Basically, they have Mason and Jane. uh, (laughs) Mason and Jane are singing um, one of my favorite mashups the show did, which is, um, what's the Carol King one? Um, Head of Her Feet is Alanis Morissette. And Will You Still Love Me Tomorrow? And it's a gorgeous, gorgeous arrangement. And Kurt's sitting there, and he is reminiscing about all of the times that he and Blaine had together and it's really hitting him that they are not together anymore. And he, he misses Blaine it's like, and he, it's just it's all the flashbacks. It's a great fan vid. So that sounds like my goal is to the Google after this. So you really should yeah. check it out. I mean, it's and coupled with the song. It's just so gorgeous. And I, I mean, Kurt's just crying during it and you're just like, Oh, uh, oh he, gives, he gives good cry face. Yeah. Yeah, it's like a beautiful song sung by two people who you don't hate. You like them. They seem cool. It's Kurt's a great mashup. Oh. There's claim flashbacks. Kurt's a good crier. Yeah. I love it. There was some good pain in that season. Well, and there's also, like, because there's always, I really hate the criticism of it, and it's usually by anti-blame fans anyway, so I shouldn't, like, listen to it, but there's always that criticism of, like, Kurt just doesn't love Blaine as much as Blaine loves Kurt, and I'm just... You get a moment like this, and this kind of is, like, the inside of what's going in Kurt's head. And I'm like, I'm sorry. That's just, yeah. Uh. Blaine is a wonderful muffin who should be protected. Just, he's a wonderful muffin. All right, number 19. Um, which may be, I don't know, it's not a controversial choice. It may not be the most romantic thing, but, I, I, again, I just love this entire scene. Um and it's hard, but it's intested. And Kurt, when Kurt is says, I'm always going to love you. And it's not an easy scene. It's the two of them are still kind of fighting. They kind of make up in the scene, and it's still hard. But it just is kind of this gorgeous moment where they finally talk to each other. So, I don't know. It is gorgeous. And it's gorgeous because you see unconditional love. Which is something that, at that point, it's very clear that Blaine is craving and not understand. Like, if he's getting it, it's not coming through in a way that he understands. I think Kurt's maybe not giving it in the way that Blaine understands, because he's, again, not getting the marching band. Um, But the thing that's sweet is that, you know, Blaine can rely on the fact that if he goes to Kurt and says, I'm feeling sad... Kurt's response is, I will love you forever and ever, and I will never say goodbye to you. And oh my God, I love you, love you, love you so much. Like it's, and it's, he, he means it, <laughs> you know? And I, I like that they had, um, they let Blaine have a whole bunch of range of emotions, which they didn't let him have in previous seasons. And he, he's very, very human. And you get to see him pour out a whole range of things. And you see Kurt basically saying, like, you know, we're in this. I'm in this together with you. And it's the it's the romantic intimacy of you're my person. I'm going to stick with you. Um, you know, we, love doesn't have to be perfect. But I love you like you're perfect. You know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Aww. I also think... 
on top of everything you said was brilliant. Um, is that? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> it's the wine. No, I'm kidding. Um, it's, uh, it's the wine talking. Uh, it, it's also a moment that it's a, Kurt, even though he's going to screw it up in a few episodes, and even though they still have issues, and even though it's promised that he really shouldn't be making anyway, it is something that's always true to Kurt. Just like throwing back to that clean music video, the one before, he's always going to love Blaine. Just, you know, if Blaine's there, he loves Blaine. And I think that's another reason why I love Kurt and Blaine is that there's never any point where I'm like, maybe they just don't love each other. Even through all of their issues, I always feel like these two really just love each other. And I love when that comes through. Number 18 um, is a moment that I completely forgot about when I first did this list, and then I went back through, and I'm like, oh my god, this uh, heart-wrenching thing needs to be in there. Um, it is from Bash, and it is when Blaine climbs in bed with Kurt after he had been sent to the hospital. Oh. 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 He sings to him, but it's not even the song. It's after the song, and it's such a quiet little moment where he he just... He's so worried, and he just climbs on Ben, and he just touches his face very gently, and like you can tell, like this is my person, and I'm worried about you, and I love you, but and I'm gonna be right here when you wake up. Yeah. And he does that sort of koala sleep that he does. Oh, that's a that's a pile of feels right there. Oh my god, it's so it's so gorgeous because it is just this. It's intimate, and it's, it's this again, it's intimate, feeling, it's quiet, and it's, know. I'm I'm going to hold on, I'm going to hold on to you because you are so important to me, and I, I, ref, I refuse, I refuse yeah. to let you go. You don't climb into a hospital bed, unless no. you mean it. You really don't. <laughs> <laughs> it is not, it's awkward. It's, it's not something you do lightly. Yeah. Uh, and in just a little moment for Blaine, too, you could see, like, if Kurt, Kurt's hurt, and he's so devastated. He's just so, oh, man. But I always got, the, like, you are my person, and I want you to be okay type feels. Oh, he is his person. Okay. All right. Um, number 17 uh, is the Untitled Rachel Berry Project's porch scene. Um which is again another another one like the tested one where it's not necessarily romantic but it's kind of another one where they kind of work out some other shit and talk to each other like actual people and another one of those Kurt saying you know I, I I'm going to trust you and even though yeah, like we're figuring it out together yeah and even though and they then, kind of don't but they they will but it, like, <laughs> well they're working you know it's hard they're working on it they're working. It's hard. Plus, there were the birds. They're distracted. I mean, They've who can who do. can really keep their eyes focused when there are birds? Um, but also, I mean, like Blaine says, you know, I'm not going to do the like. This is after their big fight, and he promised Kurt to be in that showcase, and and Blaine's like, you know what? I would give up. You know, we could question like how much Blaine should actually be doing this, but. Like Blaine says, you know, you are important to me. This relationship's important to me. If this is going to be a problem in our relationship, I'm not going to do it. Mm-hmm. And Kurt's saying, you don't need to do this for me. We're going to work out this together. 
Which, and there are a lot of different times when Clayne has important conversations on stairs, and I won't overburden you with the meta of all those different things, but they are on stairs sitting on the same level. Yeah. Yeah, they are. Both being turned on by birds, apparently. Um. I think one of them is, and the other one is just, okay, whenever. One of them I mean, needs the birds to get going. One of them is always sure prepped and ready. Like one of them has some sort of connection to it. And the other one's like, mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. No, I was before, yeah. Like Which basically I up, means I, I want I want at least one of them to sing Feed the Birds from Mary Poppins. <laughs> and then <laughs> just end up making out at the end of it. <laughs> All right. Oh, God. Seriousness. We're, only, we're not even halfway through the list. Y'all realize. We were almost halfway through the list. No, but the the other thing about the... I just want to throw this out there. There is a... Um, there's a, a gif set um, of, of... Is there now? God, I can't <laughs> talk anymore. The wine has slowed my brain. Um, of, it's just this moment. It's just a really quiet moment. And, and I say shallow, but not in a, like, wow, these guys are really hot way. It's a, wow, this is such a gorgeous, gorgeous thing of um, Blaine putting his arms around Kurt, and it's the profile of Kurt, and Blaine kind of curls into him. And it's so gorgeous. It's just, like, I don't know. I just think it's just a beautiful, beautiful little moment that they, you know, they captured. And so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um... <laughs> going to the opposite end of the spectrum is number 16 and I do and the entire sequence of them making out in a car and going into a hotel for sex yeah. oh my god I love it when you talk fratty uh, again they remembered yes. it they remembered it and they brought it up later uh, there are so many great things about that scene that they think it's Tina again coming back to interrupt them that there's I mean, fumbling there is so much boner hiding that it's oh more. my god! When they get when the door is open and Blaine is like beyond exasperated and he still is, kind of wiggling, he is and then pissed. when they get out of the car yes. and his Blaine's shirt is misbuttoned and Kurt's got his jacket and like I don't know what <laughs> I mean <laughs> when you have two people who are no, normally full on put together and something is askew, it's like a spotlight on it. So it was just adorable. They are they are clusterfucks of little anger that they were completely interrupted, mm-hmm. and it was it was wonderful, and I love I loved everything about it. And I'm adding on the hotel sex part of it because um, I kind oh of just oh my uh, god, where he's like grabbing him by the tie and grabbing like, by the yeah, tie, buddy. all of the little things in the room afterwards. The fact that the fact that Kurt that room is destroyed. The tease that Kurt does at the end of that scene. Holy God. When he's getting dressed and Blaine puts on his jacket and they have that like what it's the same as the Purple Piano Project kind of like sweet little playful tension. And Kurt leaves the room in a just a fog of sultriness. And then Blaine gets all giddy and jumps on the like it's fantastic. It is passionate and exciting and you want them like, you just want to see, you just want to rewind it and watch it over and over and over again because it has so many great, like, ups and downs. It's sultry. It's funny. It's all the things. It's a little bit heartbreaking, you know? Just just wondering, is this the appropriate time for the bang song? Well, I was because... going to say that, I guess, actually, this would be the most appropriate. <laughs> <laughs> this would be the first? 
because they banged, banged, bangity bang. They said they bang, bang, bangity bang, the bang, bang, bang. I mean, it's just, it's wonderful and I love it and it's great. Again, the room is destroyed. The people, okay, <laughs> the set designers, the props people, <laughs> they must have had so much fun. They fucking like, destroyed that do room. With this? Just take the pillowcase off it. And what about that there? <laughs> Like just throw here, but what would have get on the bed and like roll back around? What would have caused this to happen? Doesn't matter. It's gonna happen here. Here, let's crumple up a bunch of this stuff and put it on the nightstand, and then put that over there. I mean, can you imagine? Like, it probably wasn't just the room; it was the bathroom as well. It was everything that was possibly in there. And I mean, they just they they banged on every surface. They banged with every textile. They bang. It was a lot of banging. <laughs> Want to give a shout out because in between the makeout and the banging um, is the, this little dance. We don't get to see very much of them during Pinchel's um, song, but they are dancing together, and it is my sidebar gif. So if you uh, want to check that out, go look at it. But the, just this, and and you can't. Good. The glade is all hard eye. I'm mean, just such gorgeous. The hard eyes, but Kurt is is happy too. I mean, you can't tell as much. Um, but he kind of just like relaxes in the blame and I, oh, just all of it. I'm, that's it's why I'm, that's why I'm pissed romantic off gesture. that I, that we didn't have a first dance in the wedding episode because of that moment. So whatever. Oh. Um, we are now I going for a goofy dance as well or any kind of dance. Not they need to like there. an electric slide or something. Oh my God. <laughs> 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 oh, I guess. Oh, you know what else we're forgetting? We do have we a shout out also because we, we like this is one of those that the whole episode is kind of worth mentioning. Um, before I forget is the uh, just can't get enough song that they sing to, and are adorable. And Kurt Mime's making out with himself. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, he does. Oh man, it's such a delightful. Everything little... about it is great. It's such a, it's a perfect song choice for them. It's so so good. All right, so now we are halfway through the list. We're getting to the, the <laughs> bigger moments here. Um, number fifteen. Um, this might be an interesting choice for um, this particular episode, but I'm going to defend it. Um, is dance with somebody? Kurt singing. I have nothing. I I Kurt. This is the only time Kurt sings a, a song to um, Blaine, and it is. I feel like, okay, yeah, it would have been great if he'd sang again to Blaine at any point, but I think this song just encompasses everything, encompasses everything that Kurt needs to say about his love for Blaine. And it's gorgeous, and it's wonderful, and Blaine is, like, breaking down into tears, and I love it. Yeah, I love the progression of emotion with both of them. Because Kurt, he starts out trying to be a little bit fierce about it. Because, you know... He's singing, he's going to sing his thing, and Blaine's just going to get it, and that's going to be fine. It's not really working at first, and he gets a little bit more desperate, and you see Blaine first bristly towards it and upset, and then he just starts to melt. Because not only does he get a romantic gesture, but that song that he gets is like everything he could ever probably want to hear. And it's not the kind of statement that Kurt would make to anyone else at any point. Like, he's not going to be vulnerable in that way. Um, 
and I think it's a really, really sweet moment. Just because, but again, we, we got the pretty cry thing. Like, Blaine's pretty cry with this is so good. It is. Yeah, exactly. I also love that it's kind of a moment where, because usually Kurt and Blaine, they don't do public things. It's really kind of, a lot of these things are really private moments that we've been talking about. And this one is public. And, I mean, just for Kurt in general, he doesn't really do things in public. But this one, he's like, you know what, I'm going to, you know, proclaim this. I don't care that anybody else is in here doing it or in here watching it. This is between you and me. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Yep. Um, just a shout out, because it's not on the list, um, is the Emma scene um, where. Oh, tan hands. Yes. <laughs> I love the tan hand scene. <laughs> Don't look good oh, with just tan hands. Uh, such old marrieds. Oh, love it's it. It's too funny. It's too funny. <laughs> so good. And how adorable are they at the end when Blaine finally kind of comes tumbling out about everything, you know, that he's been insecure about. And Kurt, again, as we said like three or four times on this list already, dude, I love you. <laughs> yeah, this is it. I'm good. We're good. And of course that leads into whole other conversations we'll eventually get to, to on the, the actual podcast. But um, yeah. So, all right. So in our number 14 spot is, um, he is uh, transitioning and it is everyone's favorite last claim. Oh, I guess the second to last claim duet and scene outside of Rachel's house where they remember all the good times and Blaine gives Kurt a little smooch. I like the duet. I have some issues with the conversation because I can't tell if Blaine is pretending or being weird or if Kurt is then pretending. I can't tell how much of it is them being written kind of slightly off or if they're trying to put up some kind of facade. It's not as honest as I wanted it to be, which is maybe the point. Um, But the duet is amazing. And I feel like it could have been any song. It's not the cho- it's not the song choice. It's just their chemistry together. I you know, and I would, I think they are trying to just well. I mean, yeah, this writing is questionable a little bit, but I do think it's kind of this beating around what they really want to say to each other, and not really like getting to the things that they need to be saying. And that's when yeah. that's why Blake Which- kisses in. There's no point to Kurt doing that. It doesn't make any sense for him to beat around the bush unless he's trying to be like low key, like, oh, I'm so casual about I'm not in love with you. Um, but you are, you know, and you always have been and you always will be. You've already promised that. Now I'm going to hold you to it. Um. <laughs> no, I just, yeah, I think, yeah, no, I think part of it is writing, but part of it is also intentional distance. Which was yeah. why I mean, the kiss is spot on. The kiss is Blaine being an emotional blurter, and it's great. The kiss and then the running away and the confused look, great. Oh. All right, um, number thirteen, and this is going to sound really weird. This one is so low, but I have reasons for the rest of them to be above this. So, um, number thirteen is in the lima bean. It is in the episode season two's New York, and it is. Clean's first I love you to each Aww. other. Such a good scene. And it's interesting because this is kind of a, it is Blaine being a blurter where he's just like, I love you. Just out of nowhere. Because he does. 
But at the same time, it's a very quiet moment. And that is a little unblameless, but it still works because Blaine just has to say what he's feeling. And so he does. It's also a moment where Kurt is so over the top Kurt in this moment. He is. He's spitting out all these things that are amazing. And it's what it's June, right? Yeah. He has on. I think. Okay. But he has on a suit and he has on like a white suit and tie and a trench coat. And shiny silver, like <laughs> he does. It's June in Ohio. Like everybody else is in a tank top and shorts and dying. No, they've already gone and done. And I, I think summer summer has happened because Sam Sadie's is on. Well, it's the and end of the school be- year. Yeah, so that's okay. So it's May or June, right? Anyway, it's god awful, right? It's got to be god awful weather outside. And Kurt has purposely decided that he's going to go, you know, high fashion. Vogue Kurt for this coffee date um, and you have you know Blaine's dressed down a little bit he's a little less formal this is summer Blaine he's still wearing a sweater apparently these two don't sweat I don't know <laughs> you know it's it's part of their magical unicorn qualities it's they part of their Victorian sweat. romance someone sees Ugh. some shoulder or some ankle or some wrist and the other it's like a bird you know you, get, you gotta just get to it <laughs> you know? one of my absolute favorite things about this scene is Kurt's expression after Blaine says I love you and it's this you know both surprise and eager and he's trying to play it cool but he can't really play it cool he's like Mm -hmm. it's it's this big in suck of breath and he has got the stupidest smile on his face and I Mm -hmm. love it he's like yeah that's that's cool dude (laughs) (laughs) he's just and he's so excited that he didn't say it first you know that some that he's that he's the one saying i love you too well i mean he's shocked too just uh, like did you just say i love you to me did you just did you just say that it's it's all of his little you know 12 year old fantasies bubbling up to the top where it's the touch of the hands and the romance and the somebody who is in love with him blaine is just Blaine He's gets to be the person who it. says, I love you. And the other person he goes, wow, it. awesome. Number 12, it's somewhere only we know. Oh, so good. <sighs> and um, it's born this way. And Kurt comes back to McKinley. And this is such a bittersweet moment because He's leaving the Warblers. And yeah, Kurt's so excited about being back at McKinley. But at the same time, he's, he's leaving, leaving gay Hogwarts. And gay Hogwarts is amazing. And why on any portion of God's green earth would somebody choose McKinley over Dalton? But the song is glorious. They look glorious. They sound glorious. It's so sweet that Blaine and the Warblers would choose to do this for him. And it's just so so romantic and it's wonderful even though i would have chained kurt to dalton and said no as a concerned adult i will not let you leave you know it's funny i didn't realize just how many of the same i mean because again this is another one of those scenes where blaine's insecure and kurt is like nope i love you forever like i'm never saying goodbye to you yeah I just didn't realize that just how much that comes up in the show. <laughs> it's we, like, al- we always talk about Blaine's heart eyes for Kurt, but I don't think that we spend enough time on Kurt's heart eyes for Blaine because he really does spend a lot of time looking at him like, you idiot, I love you, and there's nothing you can do to stop that. Right, and I think it's a little different. I think Blaine, the way he shows, I mean, he does, he has these heart eyes, but Kurt, it's a little bit subtler and a little bit more like, 
I don't know. It's just a feeling because he doesn't do hard eyes the same way, but it is still something that you can tell. Okay. Number 11. Oh, God. <laughs> Number 11 on our list is kind of the whole episode, but um, uh, it's New New York and it is all of the domesticness. It's all of the, you know, it's the whole thing. The whole thing is just this very meaty, clean. There's a lot of romantic things in it. There's a lot of just good story in it. And then, you know, it ends with them making out and going to have sex. It just, uh, everything about new New York. Is this the one with them on the couch co-reading a magazine? No, that's no. later, but that's a good one. That is a good one that I didn't put on this list. So, so honorable which, mention. So which one is this one? This one is, um, the, the, hmm. this is the, um, you make me feel so young. Oh, they okay. dance around in their underwear, go. and then yep. Sam, uh, this is another one when they're going to have sex, but Sam comes in and Kurt's pissed off. There we go. Okay, it's them on the it's them on the couch, but on top of each other. Right, and then later on, it's okay. They they have the really you know the their mature heart to heart, which isn't as mature as they think it is, but we're proud that right. they're making progress. That's very mature for them. For them, yeah, they're like nineteen. Yeah, exactly. Right. And and they're talking to each other, and and. Kurt says, um, you know, no matter what happens, we always belong to each other. And I'm just like, oh. Yeah, that's his, that's, that's his big gesture. You know, this, the, I, I will stand by you kind of gesture. And it speaks to Blaine because Blaine needs to know that someone's not going to give up on him. I mean, the one true terrible crack, you know, the beginning of season six is the time when Kurt doesn't do that. And he says he's never going to forgive him for it. Here, I'll just be a big downer in the middle of the romantic episode. <laughs> um, but it's funny, you know, because we talked about how, you know, relationships need drama and things are more interesting. And I do, lo- I loved it when they would let them fight and let them make up and have all these complications. But also, they got groceries and I was like, yay, I want to watch a whole episode of this. You know what's funny? My my four-year-old niece, this is her favorite, um, like she loves some of the songs from Glee because I make her watch them. And um, she loves this song. And I think the reason she loves it so much is that they're doing really domestic-y things. They are brushing their teeth. They are making their bed. And she gets that. She's like, my mom and dad do this. So, it's so and, yeah, it's so wonderful. She, so she loves it. But she also really, really, really loves it when Kurt pushes Blaine down because she thinks it's funny that he pushed him down. Yes. I and then, and then the rest of us are like, yes. are you going to bang? <laughs> yes, you are. Ugh. She doesn't get that. Like, but. Sam, right? It's a, it's Sam, a different level. Sam, with his psychic connection of Mercedes, who needs to interrupt, <laughs> comes home. <sighs> <laughs> All right, so we're getting to the top ten here. Um, number ten is a deleted scene, <laughs> which I'm sure oh, is not fair. <laughs> Fuck no, that's. <laughs> canon it's we all know about it it's they canon. reference it later it's 100% you can easily get to it on youtube it's not a really like it's not a secret thing um but yeah just in again in season three in the midst of like nothingness and you get the scene where kurt talks about auction porn and blaine has this gorgeous speech and you know i just it's so sweet and so adorable i, and I still don't blaine understand how the, this scene got cut i just blaine don't does understand the Big picture does the big gesture, and Kurt comes with the so, with the solidness of yes, forever. 
you know, each of them is speaking the love language that the other one wants. Each of them is being each other's total romantic fantasy in this moment. And okay, they're young and stupid and probably going to fuck things up, but that they mean it. They're each other's teenage dream. I know. <laughs> okay, so um, that's number 10. Number 9. Also, this may seem really weird, but I, you know what? I'm going to stick by it because I really love it. Everything in the elevator in um, the Hurt Locker Part Two, Season Six. I love. Uh, the no, I think scene. the elevator is some of the best stuff that they I got think to it, do. I think it's hilarious and it's layered wonderful. and wonderful. You can yeah. see elements of the life that they lived when they were together. You can see it's, how they're going to be when they're o- older. You can see it's them romantic, just and it's, it's fun. Sad, it's funny. Yep. I mean, that's, that's the thing. It's not, it's, there's a lot of different layers that they hit, but it was also funny. I mean, there was, I mean, the, the, the yelling at the ceiling and everything about it was just, it had this tinge of humor to it that I think really makes the scene something for the ages. I love that. I love it. Yeah. I mean, they have the, the bickering about the cell phone battery after they have the food and Blaine's like, well, we're certainly going to kiss, not going to kiss right now. Cause I got bad breath, you know, and then like the sweet little games that they play and watching each other sleep. And it's, it's it was great. It like, it, it spoke great. to all of those things. This, it, this rekindled connection that never really went away. You know, it hit all of the levels. On top all of, of it, you, you get this, this kiss from them, which is a, I mean, just a real poetic kiss. God. Good God. And on top of that, you've got all of these layers after it where they're just like, you can, they just feel all of these things and they just don't really in that moment know how to deal with that. So, you know, and then they're getting out of there for the first time in like 24 hours. And then they slow motion run down a hallway. They do. <laughs> they but, do. And I think just for me too, on top of everything, is that when we they're playing. does anything that good. When they're playing those games, I, I loved how relaxed they are and how comfortable they are. And, like, we again, it's one of those little small intimate moments about how they are in the private life that we don't ever really get to see. And so it's nice to see them just being themselves and how they still like each other and love each other. So, yeah. I love you and I like you. I love you and I like you. <sighs> All right. Um, number eight. Um the very infamous and kicking it all off, uh, baby, it's cold outside. I, you, you know, I certainly don't have any feels about that. Oh my god, it's so amazing! I can't, the I can't. Cat, even the lie cat about and mouse, the, that means the performance, the sound the of chem- them together, the chemistry, chemistry, the, uh, the gorgeous setting. I mean, it's and it was and the. And being able to turn that song into something for the two of them. I mean, mm-hmm. it's just, it was fantastic. And I'm fully aware that they tacked it on at the very last minute to that episode. But I, I'm so thankful for the fact that they did tack it on. Because that is one of the iconic Glee musical numbers and Glee scenes from the entire series. Yeah. And you hear it played in stores at Christmas time. I hear it on regular radio stations. 
I mean, it's fantastic. You don't have to be on like the special, you know, theater Pandora for it. Mm-hmm. I hear it on my regular best of the 60s, 70s, 80s, 90s, and today. So, <laughs> why did I just say pop music? Because that's just not as Because it's not 50s music. <laughs> right. We have standards here. There's a limit. But wouldn't there not be standards there if they didn't have 50s music? <laughs> Touche. There's no doo wop. Touche. Come on, that was a great um, joke. Whatever. Okay. It is. I love it. Um, <laughs> I I I love that you as a music person would do that. I love it. <laughs> but baby is baby is cold outside is one of my absolute favorite numbers. It's one of my absolute favorite scenes. It's the, you know, you're so much better than that girl is going to be. I'm practicing for the King's Island Christmas Spectacular. I'm going to... Oh, so much, so much phony. I'm going to sit here on the couch next to you and look at you, but then look away because I'm kind of embarrassed because we aren't actually dating and I shouldn't be looking at you like that. And and then Will comes in. (laughs) Damn it, Will. It's the middle of the night in Westerville at a private school. The fuck are you doing there? I just don't understand. Okay, but well, before this, this list gets scene. too it's ruined by, by Will. Um, no. <laughs> yeah. I love that Blaine is flirtatious beyond what his uh, conscious mind is available oh, yeah. to understand. And Kurt meets it right back. You know, there is, there is no hesitation on forth. either part. They're both in it to win it. And it's it's wonderful. It's one of my all-time favorites. And you can imagine that they sing this to each other every Christmas. From I now kind on. of I kind of want them as little old men singing it to each other. Oh. Wouldn't that be adorable? That would be. That would be really adorable. This is an adorable machine generator, of course. Oh. <laughs> I I love that it builds on on, you know, you get teenage dream and then you get a lot of the blade mentory stuff, and this is the time when they were like you know what, we're really, this is definitely, Blaine's going to be the love interest. And and their chemistry is so amazing. I, I'm, uh, just, I'm so blown away by it every time I watch it. So They did amazing things with this scene. Kudos to them. <laughs> All right. Uh, my number seven pick is probably too high for a lot of people, but whatever, it's my list, um, is... Uh, <laughs> Both the reunion and wedding in a wedding in season six. Um, yes, I agree. There's 500 things they should have done a lot better. I, I agree. But um, I love Kurt running back to Blaine. I love it. I love when he comes in and he just, he's like, no, you know what? I, I love you. This, you know, just that. And it's just a statement. And, you know, and then the wedding, there's just, it's sweet. And it's a wedding. And, you know, they get married and it's sweet. They have a ton of, there's some misedited stuff in the beginning, you're right. And there's a ton of really romantic, beautiful things that happen in that episode. And there's also a ton of the two of them doing an American Gothic portrait. You know, Brittany calling them in with her grand plan and Blaine saying, I don't understand. And Kurt saying, yes, you do. Like in this adorable sort of way, it's like, honey, catch up. Um <laughs> And then them watching uh, the the women perform and just loving it. Like them having a good, again, they're having a good time together. And you know, like the romance is already baked in. You're already buying it. The way they look, the way they look individually when they walk down the aisle. Yeah. Really the four of them, you know, the women as well. They're all sort of beaming in this very particular way. And then they're beaming at each other. And 
you know, it's it's completely realistic because, of course, they, you know, Clay could have gotten married at any point and would have been like, oh, yeah, that makes sense because they want to be married. Um, well, and it kind of, um, you know, it reminds me, I forgot to mention in the elevator part of it, when, later on when they're in Sue's office and Clay can't stop touching Kurt even though they're broken up. But it's... Oh, my God. They're so married. But, like, at this here, there's all of these little moments in this episode after the reunion where they're touching or or you know, holding each other or looking at each other. And it's like, those are the moments more so than the actual wedding portion of it that really, you know, the, when Sue comes up to them and says, we have a Britain emergency and they're just holding hands and looking around. I just love that little moment. Or at the end, when Blaine goes to hold Kurt's hand after they're married, when they're walking with Brittany and Santana and just talking. Oh, when they get given their, uh, their honeymoon presents. Oh yeah. It's score. It's, gorgeous it's like everyone's everyone's happy in their own particular kind of happiness and happy as a couple as well right and it, i mean i think it's i think a lot of that stuff is propped up by the fact that you know by the time this wedding episode came around Brittany and santana's relationship was really it was good it was believable they had all the parts that needed to be working were working and you were really happy for them that they were getting this um so it's just really sweet yeah, and like I said, I mean, when we get to season six, we will definitely go in depth about how it could have been a lot better. We, we do, I, I am admitting that, but mm-hmm. I do think there are a lot of legitimate, really wonderful things act in actually in the wedding episode. And yeah. So. yeah. All right. Um, number six. Um, you know, we're gonna just go for the whole episode here. Everything. <laughs> because, and we talked about it at length. We're gonna refer you guys back a couple episodes. Um, everything in the first time. Oh, dear God, yes. You know, just, and it's not a romantic episode at all. It's very dry. It's uh, not much to it. I don't understand why anybody would ever put it on a on a list of gorgeous, romantic, gorgeously lit episodes of oh, wonder and which love. Which reminds me, something that I actually forgot to bring up because I didn't notice it until we got done with the podcast, but the fact that uh, for the first time I noticed that auditorium scene, which is one of my favorite scenes, obviously it's number six on this list, uh, romantic moments between the two of them. They're both dressed in black and white, and the way it's lit is kind of like this old black and white movie. You know? Of course. So, so just everything. And if, I mean, we gush about it at length. I think that um, we produced some two really, really great first time episodes. I really recommend you go back and listen to them because we kind of gush in depth about all of this. But it is really such a gorgeous episode as a whole for Claim. So. Yeah, and I think the the way that they communicate, even when they're not quite there, but the way that they are communicating throughout this episode, bring it layers in that intimacy, that romance, the connection that makes them work so well. You know, one of my favorite parts is Kurt talking about his bucket list and blame being 100% in. He's down for it. You I know? mean, everything and that then, Kurt is mentioning, he's he's yeah. like, yeah, yeah, that's a, gr- blame, that's a great thing to think about. Blaine agonizing over his performance and going back to it and saying, you know, I'm just really working on it. And Kurt saying, like, I'm so, so proud to be with you. Like, you're so wonderful. And that's and all to Blaine have, wants. To have Blaine get to hear that is just, it's really, it's really endearing. Blaine just wants somebody to be proud of him. And yeah. Kurt's proud of him. At the same time, you get Kurt who, you know, is always, like, trying to... Blaine loves Kurt for Kurt too. He's he, for being this silly romantic, and Kurt lets down this 
guard that he always has going and he gets to be vulnerable for a second and Blaine loves him for that too. So the fact that they connect on that level, it just the whole thing is amazing. So, oh yeah. All right. So that was number five. Um, oh no, sorry. That's number six. Number five. Just God, the, the height of the. <laughs> I like how you can't even. <laughs> I can't because it's so amazing. Because this is such an amazing moment, and I just it it just makes my heart like flutter every time I think about it. Prom queen, Blaine asking Kurt to dance. Yes. And this height of this fairy just, tale romance and this If there was if there was any embodiment of Kurt saying, I want somebody to take my hand and the touch of the fingertips, and there is Blaine standing there as his own prom hero, even though Kurt doesn't need to be saved because Kurt saves himself, but Blaine is standing there going, I'm gonna take your hand and let's do this in front of all of these people. And I, I I don't know how anybody could watch that scene and not be moved. It's such a fairy tale moment where each of them is being the perfect prince charming for the other one. Yes. And I love how uneasy it is too. I mean, you don't, it's not, Kurt is looking around and unsure and Blaine is scared, you know, just out of his wits. And he's he is scared, scared but shitless. he's trying. He's trying. They are putting on such brave faces yeah. for each other. So, he's so and little. He is. And, oh. I really love when Blaine starts trying to get him to dance and Kurt's still kind of shocked and kind of like looking around <laughs> and kind of like it's saying. Good dancing. Yeah, like, he's like saying, Very screw you. Bad oh, it's so bad. It's so bad. <laughs> and yeah. But then but you it's so and she's making that face. Like, Rachel's oh, making God. the face of fandom. You know? There's this moment, though, after, like, Kurt looks around, and he's kind of like, screw you people, I have this person who I love. And then he looks at Blaine, and it's just this, like, very intimate moment, kind of like way back when we were talking about I Have Nothing About. It's just the two of them. It's just this moment where he can dance with his boyfriend, and they just love each other and are connected, and it, oh. And they're so happy and fuck everybody else. I mean, it's... Oh, God, I love that scene. And there's a reason that keeps coming back. Whenever, like, there's the prom photo that's always in the background. You know, it ends up in the locker at the end. It's, I mean, that moment is so pivotal and so important that it just keeps resurging every time, you know, something nostalgic has to come back. Well, I also love that they let Kurt save himself. You know, he's the one who decided, you know, this is shit, but I'm going, I'm going once more into the breach, my friends. I'm going to go back into it. Yeah. Um, well, I, that's his whole character. It is. And I, but it's so, and going back to what we were talking about of, it's a familiar scene with different characters. It's a, this is the type of thing that the, the person in Kurt's, position doesn't often get the chance to save themselves they're often you know swept up by a white knight who's like no i'm going to we're going to go back in there i'm going to protect you it's great and kurt's like i'm my i'm my own hero and blaine you can come with me and blaine's like yeah i'm totally down for this and it's it's a it's a wonderful scene so many wonderful things. I I love it every single time that I watch it. All right. Num- number four. 
Um, this is going to sound weird because there are three other things ahead of this, but I think it's one of the most romantic things that the show ever did. Um, and it is Come What May in um, episode 15 of season four, which is Girls and Boys in Film. Oh, you found that a little bit romantic, did you? <laughs> See, I, I, found it, I found it really romantic, but I might not have put it as high as you did. I see. I love it. I just. And see, the thing is, I love it, but it being a dream sequence, I kind of enjoy like the Blaine asking Kurt to dance and a couple of other things that I hope that we'll talk about in some of the top ones that I think are much more romantic and pertinent to the Clayne storyline. I I like it, and I like that it is the retelling of the Clayne story throughout that reenactment. And I, you know, once, once that little piece of meta is hooked onto there, I can't, I can't uncouple it. And so it's gorgeous and beautiful and then full of all kinds of depth. And, you know, you get, you get the very last moment when they embrace and it's, you know, you don't get anything else like that on this show. There's no other couple. Don't get me wrong. I don't, I completely agree that it's super romantic, but I might've put it after. I might have put it below Baby It's Cold Outside. Well, and the reason I, I have it so high on, on my particular list, I think, is because this is a time when we didn't get to see what was going on with Kurt because they barely had him on screen. And the fact that, you know, here's this character who doesn't show what he's talk doesn't show what he's feeling very often, doesn't talk about it, kind of just buries everything inside. We don't get to see what's going on in his head in his head. And what's really going on in there is this deeply romantic. I mean, there's flashbacks. It's not just the song, but there's flashbacks to other clean moments. There's flashbacks to them in the first time having sex to each other, with each other. So it's this very deep moment and feeling for him. So to see that represented, I guess maybe it's just a matter of like what I relate to in the show. But the fact that Kurt feels this deeply still about Blaine and that they show it and that he doesn't talk to anybody about it, but he just in his head, it's still there just really kind of gets me as a, as a piece of storytelling. So they place it in this, in, you know, they place it within a setting of, you know, so this fantasy secrets plays out and they're all watching TV together and, you know, he's crying and he's sitting in New York, new life, hot, older boyfriend. Like he's got everything. Like, his life is totally textbook fine, but it doesn't have that connection without See, and, Blaine. And maybe and my part that. of it is that I didn't watch the scene in context. I've, I don't think I've ever seen the actual episode that it's in, but I've seen, I've seen this performance. So, like, I, so I don't have the, the context with it. Um, Unlike... Unlike, so, like, with Rachel, with Brody versus Finn, you know, you have things that aren't that great about Brody. But Kurt has Adam versus Blaine, and there's nothing technically wrong with Adam. It's just that he's not Blaine. And the not Blaine is strong. And it makes it kind of, it makes the fantasy just that much more wonderful. Because he's not just laying around just thinking about Blaine. In theory, he's kind of moved on, but not really, no, because he can't. And I, I think that also just the, the end of it, like you were talking about, where there's there's no kissing or anything, but it's just that it's so intimate that he, he holds him and he clings onto him and curls into him. And like, 
just that Blaine is just so much uh, so much to him that he doesn't ever express and I, I think that's another thing that I just really latch on to but it could be a context thing too that you know here I am following the season four thing and there's a lot of stuff that they don't explore and then a lot of come what may uh, encompasses a lot of the storytelling that they're not doing in other places so yeah this is this yeah. is kind of fascinating because it's it's a very different in context versus out of context so that's it's kind of fascinating to me. Right. Well, you have to sit down and like watch all of season four. Cause I don't think it works just by like watching the episode alone. Like you'd have to watch like all the clean stuff, <laughs> but yeah. So, so that's my number four spot. Um, number three, again, this is going to sound funny that it's three, but yeah, I just, I don't know. I feel the first two better. Um, season, God, why do I keep doing that? Um, number three is uh, teenage dream. And the first time they meet. See, this would have been my wow, number one. Wow, that's number three. I'm so fascinated with the other ones. This yeah, this would have been my number one. You know, again, like with Baby Oh, it's cold outside. Fucking iconic. Totally <sighs> insane. Everything about it is like no other moment on television. Yeah. It's like no other moment for Kurt. It's the first time we really see him smile. We see Blaine fully engaged, being that, that joyful, fun, interesting he's kurt's teenage dream i mean it's everything and it's it's, that song is a terrible boring shitty song but man they did it right yes there is there is something about the blazered prep school boys (laughs) two-stepping behind it that just turns that song into something that ignites my loins i mean that is a boring as shit terrible terrible song and in this context it's amazing it's an amazing but revisioning. They, but the Beelzebubs did good shit with that. Exactly. Yeah. And everything you said about, like, you get Kurt, who, and, and again, I think context really, really plays into this one, too, because you have all of season one, Kurt. You can't, The other thing, building off of what you were saying, is that y- in context, you have all of this stuff with Kurt. You have him going through this really rough patch of early season two. He's just in a bad place. And he comes in, and here is this wonderful boy who takes his hand and runs down a hallway and flirts with him during this entire song and Kurt smiles and this first time we really see him smile Kurt hasn't Kurt hasn't been happy in the series yeah I was gonna say in the series I mean and this is the first time we see Kurt happy and feel like he looks like he belongs somewhere. Even though he's not in uniform, he's technically sticking out like a sore thumb next time wear your blazer kid type of thing. He he looks like he belongs in this group of prep school boys. And the joy that's on his face as he watches this. I mean, I'm just... Watching it for the first time was an amazing experience. And, like, I kind of want to sit next to people experiencing it for the first time as well. Um, Because it's hands down my favorite number from the entire series. It's hands down my favorite scene from the entire series. Um, It's... It's amazing. It's something that we haven't seen before. He's happy. It's... It's joy, and it's really hard to 
it's really hard to put that scene into words because it's just something that needs the music and the visuals and all of it that goes with it to make it what it is. And what it is, is iconic. You know, now that I think of it too, the other thing that really stands out to me about this is that it has such a rewatchability. Like, I go back and I watch this scene all the time just to kind of feel better or, you know, want a really nice clean scene. You can go back to this and watch it over and over again and just kind of, it's still, you get that feeling. It's a timeless scene. And it's also one that you don't, you don't need a lot of knowledge about the rest of the series to enjoy. If I set somebody down who didn't know anything about Glee, I feel like they could understand that this kid looks sad at the beginning. He doesn't look sad now. There's a pretty boy singing to him. This is obviously something that has never happened before. And who doesn't love this gay Hogwarts setting? And so I kind of feel like it's something that you don't, there's a very low barrier to entry Mm -hmm. for this scene Um, and a very low barrier for entry to claim with this. It's very obvious what it's about. These two boys, one has been sad. He's found something that makes him happy. Let's explore that. And I love, you know, in addition, it is, you know, what did Bert tell you? Someday, oh. something, something really, you know, and Bert's talking about like, you know, like, oh, it's all, you know, fantasy, you know, this could happen. But it's Bert like, you is know, the fandom Bert, oracle. Bert, is the fandom Bert had oracle. a piece of advice. And then, you know, this dream sequence came to life. <laughs> he is, he is his teenage dream. Okay. So that was number three, um, though I'm sure it, It's number one on Arby's list. It's number one on my list. Um, Number two, I feel like this is an obvious one, um, uh, comes in the 16th episode of season two, which you should all know Uh, by now as original song. Oh, is that the kiss? Ah! And it is Clayne's first kiss. Kurt, there is a moment. One of the things that I appreciate about Clayne is that there is this gorgeous romantic emotional intelligence that comes from their connection and then there's just this like wild sexual connection because this is not a first kiss like (laughs) these are people who okay so kurt's made out with britney and presumably blaine's kissed a few other people rachel you know sure well rachel and probably someone before then realistically one would hope Realistically, ladies yeah. have been throwing themselves a blame for a long time. I'm pretty sure he made up with a guy before this, too, but that's a whole other story. We'll never know. Um, Fandom authors, if you have anything, please is, link it below. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but my point is that, like, there's all this upswept romance of it. And they are all in. And it shows from the way that they connect on an emotional level, on a romantic level, and also sort of on this, I mean, I hate to just say sexual level, but not, and that's not to say that sexual isn't important, but you can tell that the connection that they have is like ticking all the boxes of all of the different yeah. things that can make relationships really high functioning. And so you have this high romance, that you have this, this gorgeous moment, 
and then they kiss and they don't just kiss they are they go for like the passion is off the chart well and i love that it's you get the two sides there because you get the first kiss which is this real deep emotional connecting we're together we're in this thing and then the second kiss that's hot and heavy and i want you now i I mean it's amazing i I tried to think of I don't know if we've seen a Britannicus at this point. No, we, we don't get one to heart. Saw, Not at this point. No, we don't get we one saw, to heart. You know, the, the Wemma run down the hallway kiss and the Fenchel kiss in the auditorium where Fen, um, well. Uh, so, so you and those, those are their other two examples of high romance, right? They don't have another one. So this is the third place spot. And this kiss is significantly different. It's I mean, way more adult than the adult kiss. They're basically, their entire story is a rubber band that has been pulled back and back and back and back. And once they get to this point, it finally lets loose. Like mm. they kiss once and it's like, okay, we're going to do this. They snap the rubber band and they go for each other's face. Um, they They can't hold back anymore. And it's wonderful and then they had to cut it off with mercedes song because if they hadn't cut it off then it would have gotten an ma writing (laughs) (laughs) but i love i love also like the looks on their faces between the two kisses when there's just so much going on i love Blaine's speech just the i mean he's he doesn't sound like a 16 year old he sounds like he's i mean 40 i mean i've been looking for you forever you're 16 come on one of my one of my all time favorite things is we need to practice. I thought we were yes, <laughs> exactly. I, yeah, I, I thought we were. The cat I'm and mouse right there. Yes. Yeah. And it's amazing. It's one of those. Again, it's another one of those iconic moments that the show is probably going to be remembered for. And you know, all of us cleaners can recite this entire scene by heart. I mean. It's just well, it's it's fandom law. If it shows up on your dash, you have to reblog it. <sighs> yeah. So, all right. So that moves us to number one, and um, I'm sure you, you guys can figure it out since there's nothing left. Um, it's kind of a double thing. I'm kind of it's kind of two scenes that I'm I'm saying that is one, um, even though they're in different spots in the episode. Um, but it is from the first episode of season five, Love, Love, Love. And Aww. it is the reunion and the proposal. That's a good one. So. I, pro- I, I probably would have put this at number three with Teenage Dream and the first kiss and then this, but it's solidly top three. I mean, it's, it's ridiculous and over the top and wonderful and oh so involved it's meaningful to them it has so much context so much connection um well and the reason i i put this as number one because i know the teenage dream and first kids are much more iconic but the thing that really to me personally again i can totally understand why people would rearrange this list completely um is that with their reunion, you get these two who have been kind of flirting with this idea of, you know, where are we? What are we doing? And, and they're so kind of like the elevator. They're so flirty with each other and so 
knows what each other gets the other one. They're kind of competitive. They're kind of, you know, and they bring out this marching band and they're dancing around and they're adorable and they have a first kiss out in public and it's so adorable. And then you get this proposal. And I know that, you know, in a lot of ways, you're just like, okay, you silly teenagers, you need to wait before you get married. I get that, okay? But when you're going for this high romance, you've got all of this foundation behind it. You've got, you've already got the first kiss. You already got teenage dream. You've already got come what may. And then everything just adds on to that to the proposal. And it's so big and over the top, but it hits all of their little moments. It's on the staircase mm-hmm. where they met. It's this gorgeous, gorgeous monologue. It is Kurt who is completely conflicted, but knows in his heart that he really does love Blaine, no matter what kind of craziness is going on around them. It's it's Kurt saying, well, I know I'm going to marry you at some point. Yeah. I can't ever, I cannot say no to this. And it's just so high romance. And I'm not even a person, I, I mean, a lot of the times I prefer these smaller little romantic moments over these big ordeals. But here I just... I just keep going back to the scene and I just love it. I just, but it does, it totally fits with something that Blaine would do. Mm-hmm. I mean, of course, Blaine would enlist everyone they've ever met to create a gauntlet of love for and all Kurt. the flowers in the tri state area. Absolutely. Those costumes, how they match, I mean, how they're gorgeous on the actors and on the characters and how they match each other. And how this is really more so, you know, I remember in the first time we were talking about spiritual marriage, and I think this is more so their marriage scene than the actual wedding. Um, yeah. yeah. And, you know, if I was if I was writing the story where Clayne was the main characters, this would have been the last scene I wrote. This would have been the, the culmination of what I wrote, because it's kind of hard to top this right and i think that's another I mean, reason the the wedding f- kind of fails a little bit is because you can't really top this without going bigger but then it'd be a little too big i don't know i think this. I, you know, I think for adults i also would have had fail. somebody there who was um who was ordained and would have just married them right there but I think the wedding doesn't fail because we don't need it okay that's point. a good way of putting it too. they've, they've had that. it like, yeah. plan is they've they've had all those things, and all of this other stuff is they just they just need to get to the happy ever after part. The yeah. big showy wedding, I, it's, it's absolutely something that Britannia needed. And again, I'm so sorry that they <laughs> that they took part in it. Except for I'm glad that it was you know something an idea from Brittany. Um, but you know I didn't I didn't need Clean to get married in a big showy wedding because we had already had all these wonderful moments. And I kind of like that what we got is sort of this solid, sweet, like, you know, we know, we know that we're going to eventually, we kind of, we've kind of been married since our first kiss. So let's just find a way to be married in the way that everybody else considers marriage working. We've, we've just got to legalize it. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, it's the long-term couple that's been together for years and just decides they let's need get a sheet tomorrow. of paper. Yeah, well, fuck it. Let's just get married tomorrow. Okay. Do we need a big wedding? No, we don't. And we'll talk about this when we talk about the individual episodes. Um, I don't want to get into it too crazy here, but I love the idea that 
whenever they break up and they get together and they're like, let's reaffirm that we, we're like, we going to be committed. And then they break up and then it's like, okay, we're going to be really committed. Like, <laughs> just entertained by that. But, um, yeah. I'm, yeah. So I feel like this is such an interesting place in the clean story too, because it's not over by a long shot, but I love that maybe this is just a culmination of like all of this is the end of the fairy tale stuff really because this is a big fairy tale moment and the beginning of all the real stuff and it is kind of where they are married in some respects and it, it ties up their story from that point forward yeah to that point in the past and moves them into the future claim yeah even though there's overlap all everywhere but the, i mean it just is a, a culmination and a pivotal moment and gosh yeah so that is my pick for number one oh it's a solid pick. It's a solid list. I mean, who, am yeah. who among us cannot enjoy all of these fantastic claim moments? And, you know, I have to say, I feel bad for all the other couples on this show. Because could you have come up with 10 some of these other ones? You know, I tried. My Probably original not. idea, my original idea was I would pick the, you know, like the, you know, top whatever moments from each couple, and I couldn't do it. I'm like, I can't. To me, <laughs> a lot of other stuff is not it's romantic. Hard. And I, so. and it's really, it's really fascinating how we got this. I mean, it's just, it's just romance. And I don't even really like romance, but the way this romance works is so wonderful. And these aren't even, I mean, yeah. I, I, like, I went through and I'm like, I picked moments that I thought were actually romantic, too. And then, yeah, this is probably almost identical of Clay's greatest hits. But there are things that are on here and that, you know, are pivotal to the story. So there is so much more to the Clay story as well. But these are mm -hmm. the most romantic ones. And it just, yeah. Yeah. So, Yeah. So that's our Valentine's Day episode. Um, one thing that we were going to have you do, if you've listeners, um, well, first of all, if there are any minor or major, maybe I missed one, uh, claim <laughs> moments that I missed, uh, put it in the comments. But also, um, there are 700 songs. A bunch of them are love songs. I would love to hear what you guys think are the most romantic songs that the show did. On, the show did. Um, so put those in the comments as well. And um, we'll probably talk about it or I'll reblog it. So awesome. Uh, I want to thank you guys. I want to thank Starkey and RB for coming on and spending like three hours talking about uh, Valentine's lovey-dovey stuff. And um, next week we'll be back with our normal episodes talking about um, Mash Off and um, uh, I Kissed a Girl and Hold On to 16. So uh, join us next Sunday night and have a good night. Coming, I don't know what it is, but it is gonna be great.